Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Horror Hangout, a podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst movies, horror movies ever, and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit-Turner. Hello. Andy Conduit-Turner. He's here, he's back, and we're joined by a very special guest today. Uh, She's a Rocky Horror enthusiast, marketing manager, mum, and Instagram blogger. She's always highly caffeinated and will do the time warp at the drop of a hat. Welcome, Laura Bennett, a.k.a. Mama Massive. Hello. <laughs> Hello, and hey. welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys? All Pretty right. good, thank you. you? Very nice I to meet you. Yes, lovely to meet you guys virtually. Virtually. Um, no Luke today, which is obviously a bit devastating for everybody involved, but we persevere. He's yeah. offered his, he's offered his, uh, his sorries for not being here and i've just swiped him away and said like i don't care mate just uh <laughs> don't, don't yeah. bring me the excuses i'd rather have your tears of sorrow <laughs> exactly uh but we persevere because we do that on this podcast that's one good thing right. you can always rely on us that's right isn't it andy that's right we'll be here week in week out whether you want us to or not to be honest it's gonna happen exactly whether, Might as well embrace you wanna, it, guys <laughs> whether you want us to whether we want to be here you know eventually in another 200 episodes time we'll just be just angry that we have to do this every week we've committed committed to it now we're still we're still enjoying it this is uh you know it's our privilege it's our curse it's whatever it is but you know we'll turn up every week it's all of those things all of those things so we thought it was a good idea to get an expert on for today's episode uh we haven't had a guest for like a little while we were discussing this recently we haven't had like a special guest for probably i don't know probably last like 10 episodes or something yeah and so, I think the film of today, if anything, deserves an expert, given the cult following. Um, no surprises, if you're listening to this, you'll have seen the title. So we're talking about Rocky Horror today, and we know it has a huge cult following. So needed to get in a proper expert to help us talk that, about it. That, that's a big old weight to carry the word expert. 
That's right. <laughs> you, you, you carry it well. So what, why would you consider yourself an expert? Is it because have you, so obviously you've seen the stage show, seen the movie. Oh, my and... goodness. I've seen this film and stage show in any shape, form possible. Um, yeah, I, um, I got shown it a little bit too young by my mum uh, when I was about eight. And uh, then I was like, Mum, what's transvestite? <laughs> and I just kind of remember like walking around the uh, shopping hours of, of Sainsbury's kind of singing, ah, that's transvestite. And it's, it's never left me. It's, yeah. Trips um, to Sainsbury's have never been the same since that day, right? Kidderminster in the uh, <laughs> 90s was rock to its core. Um, yeah, so any chance I get to kind of watch it, any chance I get to dress up and go and watch it or be around fellow enthusiasts, I will be there with stockings on. Sometimes. I, I mix it up who I dress up as, but yeah. Have you got a checklist of characters? Have you Good done all the ones you wanted to do the most? Have you, which yeah. ones have you done so far? Yeah, um, I've, I mean, to be honest, I've done pretty much all of them. Um, I do magenta quite a lot purely because she's just fun and she's got this kind of really dark sadistic kind of edge to her which I uh, relate to <laughs> <laughs> done riffraff though because I don't know how I'd look in a bold cap um yeah that's I think that's the only one I haven't done so far I feel and no shade <laughs> to any of the riffraff dresser uppers um here but I feel like riffraff is the option that you might dress as if you, especially as a guy, if you don't want to go all the way or do the big, because basically the riffraff could, at a push, you could be a bit of a spooky butler. Whereas if you're dressing as Frankenfurter, if you're dressing as, um, you know, if you're dressing as Rocky, Rocky yeah. then you're kind of all out there. The first time we went to see it, I dressed as, Frankenfurter, and we'd gone, we'd gone into Birmingham, sort of the Alexander Theatre, which was great. And then it was the day before Halloween. Um, it was a Saturday, and we headed back into Tamworth, where I lived uh, at the time, and went out there. And there was a few people dressed up, but there was no one dressed up for Rocky Horror like we were. Um, and I was like stomping around in these big platform boots. We had no dinner, so we sat in the McDonald's and had some chips before we went to the bar. Um, it was like half six in the evening as well. No, thankfully by then it was 10, but I'm not sure if people oh. having a drink made it better or worse, but actually <laughs> I was too harsh on my on my hometown. I thought it was a place of aggro and there'd be all kinds of grief, but actually people people were impressed with the um, with the commitment. So hometown uh, hero. Middle, well, I mean, we, are, we, are, we had a lovely night. We are going to need to see a photo, not just yes. for us, but yeah, also, for will, the, also for the listeners as well that we I've can I've been share. trying to I've been trying to dig it up on the um, before we dark came in web. for our Zoom background, but um, <laughs> on the dark web, going for that. Yeah, on the dark web, but I couldn't find it in time, and I didn't want to make us late, so I'm saying it on a recorded media now that I will find it, and when the episode goes up live, I will post it in our group. Hmm. So uh, you know, join the Facebook group, I guess. Follow us on the socials, and man, if this, you know, if it, if nothing else is tempted you to join on those things, I'm not sure this is the thing to do it. But if you want to see me in you know, a corset and a lovely wig and some makeup, which I did myself. Um, yeah, come and oh, come yeah. and join. You did come the and join yourself. Yeah, I'm highly impressed. Apparently, by that. Be like, 
I'm not sure I've quite got the hand of doing classy makeup yet, but I can look like an absolute, okay. like a, yeah, absolute, you know, right state, right, a right dog's breakfast. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, so I've never seen it before. Um, and I've got like, a, obviously from, from pop culture and that, I understand some things about it. Uh, and my dad was actually on local news in the 90s, dressed up as Frank and Furter. Um, yeah, and what I think maybe, that? maybe that's one of the reasons why I've avoided it for so long. Just terrible, <laughs> terrible <Yeah. memories. laughs> <laughs> triggered where I'm just like oh I don't know I don't know really like I, I'd never I wouldn't consider myself the biggest musical fan however when new movies have come out new musicals you know like La La Land and even that In the Heights recently I know you wouldn't consider that in the same vein as this movie of course not but I've always enjoyed them so maybe I do like musicals I yeah, just don't, I don't know mind, uh, I don't mind a musical. Were, you a, musical were you a Disney kid growing up then uh yeah yeah to a degree I guess yeah loved a little bit of uh Aladdin and the lion bloke, Lion King. The lion bloke. The lion bloke. Um, try the uh, Beetlejuice musical. Yeah, I mean, I do like Beetlejuice. I've and, heard good uh, things about the Beetlejuice musical. Oh, wow, incredible. The Beetlejuice musical on stage. Obviously, it hasn't come to the UK yet, but you can, again, on the uh, interwebs, you can find some naughty recordings of it. Um, Very naughty. But the soundtracks and stuff, oh, it's great. Love it. Hardcore fan. Just just to clarify there, don't Google naughty recording Beetlejuice. That's not what we're talking about. And you will yeah, find no, something again, absolutely. That will the same place that Andy's photo lives on the internet. Yeah, the dark web. The dark web, dark web. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one so wants that. You'll get loads so, yeah. of complaints after this. We're like, i got a virus on my computer. <laughs> I mean... I didn't we'll either, get get, either get tons of complaints or loads of Patreon subscribers. It depends who's listening. Exactly. Uh, so I think we're going to have a nice cross-section today of, like, you know, big fan of the movie and someone who's never seen it before. And then, Andy, would you say you're middling or would you say you're a big yeah, fan? Yeah, I'm middling. I've probably seen the movie, I don't know, half a dozen times maybe, and I've seen it on stage twice. Laura, a question to you. Which do you prefer? On stage or watching? Yeah, want a uh, movie or movie or the stage version. I love the movie version because it's just classic. I love the stage version because I really enjoy watching what people bring to the characters and how they interpret, but also the audience ad lib. Yeah, like, that's so much fun. That is great. Oh my god, there's nothing quite like kind of certain lines coming up, and I'll be like, like it's brilliant it's great ben is like what is going on yeah. i gotta <laughs> um, say i think yeah, the audience so... really really push it over the top when I, i'd seen the film first and then when i saw it live i was like yeah this is so much fun the narrator just... last time i saw it was um you know i'm gonna say friend of the show ainsley harriet he was the narrator <laughs> and it was <laughs> So so good. Ain- and, like, wait 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 what? <laughs> yeah, Ainsley Harriet. Ainsley, Ainsley, Ainsley Harriet was the Ainsley Harriet. Well, you know, like I think he's a friend to one and all. I imagine Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> um, <laughs> like just such a such a personable man. Um, oh, wow. He was uh, he was the narrator at the time, and I loved his ad lib and the thing that was built in. So this was a couple. It was 
well, I, I say a couple that's going to be longer than that again, that'll be depressing for me to work out exactly how many years, but um, he was there and he, as the narrator came and sort of said, so we come to the end and the heckle from the audience was like, of your career. And he was, and he sort of stopped and was like, and then he paused and he had a little oh smile and God. he opened his jacket that he had on and he had some of Ainsley Harriet's couscous in there. And he was like, <laughs> six fucking varieties, mate. I am, <laughs> I am laughing <laughs> He, he, was, he was so funny and I was probably less of an Ainsley Harriet fan until I saw Rocky Horror Live and now a lot of love for him never yeah. even watched Ready Steady Cook before I think um, when you're talking about comparing the film and the stage show obviously I haven't seen the stage show but without throwing shade at the film in any way, not at all it feels quite small scale doesn't it so it doesn't feel massively cinematic it feels almost like a theatre performance of it. Yeah. And it feels yeah. like you're just kind of there, in possibly it's, in the front row. Yeah, well, it's it got like a theatre theater theater. performance before mm. they did the film. So that's, of course, its origin. But you can, um, normally around Halloween, uh, big kind of commercial cinemas will show it. And it does give a whole different feeling, even though, mm. you know, you might have seen the movie 20, 30, 40 times, watching it in a big, fat, widescreen cinema, again, with everyone dressed up. Um, yeah, it brings different dimensions to it. Of course. I mean, Ben, um, we've been talking about podcasts, doing screenings and so on. I think this would be an ambitious one to do, but yeah. Um, and we'd have to get our Rocky Horror chops down before we could be the ones in front of people showing it to them. But this would be one you'd fill. This would be one that you'd get people to come to and people oh, would have a great yes. night. Yes. You're always guaranteed whenever there's any kind of Rocky Horror themed event, it sells out. Because those fans are diehard. <laughs> See, there you go. Official marketing perspective, then. We'll have to put there that on go. the Patreon list. <laughs> yes. There we go. It's confirmed. Uh, right, okay. Before we move on to discussing the movie in at great length, we will cover the usual bits and bobs that we usually do. So uh, we've got indeed, some horror indeed. news. Horror news for this week. Um Apparently, The Lost Boys is coming back to the big screen with a new movie. And apparently, um, so it's going to be directed by uh, Randy McKinnon. No, sorry, Jonathan Entwistle, who directed I Am Not Okay With This. Um, someone called Randy McKinnon's writing. It stars Noah Dupe, who's the kid from A Quiet Place, who we've discussed um, on this podcast. And Jada Martell, who is the kid from It, the, the kid who plays, what's his name? Sorry, Andy, I forgot. Jaden Martell, like the the brother of the little kid. The main boy. Oh, the main Bill. boy, Bill from that's the remake. Yeah. The main boy. That's what I want to the say. Main boy. The, the main boy. Uh, so the leader, the classic Leonardo of the of the posse. Exactly. The, so no adults, adult actors have been confirmed yet. So we don't know who's going to play the roles of 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 the vampires as such. Um, but apparently, yeah. So it looks like it's going to be an actual big. It's not going to be a um, television series. I think we were supposed to be getting a television series that never actually got off the ground quite a few years ago. Um, how does everybody feel about this? Has everybody lost Boys fans? That's some, this is actually a film we've, not, we've never co covered yeah. on the podcast. I enjoy Lost the Boys. Mm. And I feel like this is one where, obviously it depends if the money or balance is out. Maybe none of the adults have been cast yet because they're furiously trying to get one of the people that played a young character yeah. in the original to be one of the adults in this one now. So get Kiefer Sutherland as the as the headmaster of the school, 
or get Corey Feldman to put on old man makeup and be grandpa, be granddad. Kiefer Sutherland, let's get some, let's get in, in some de-aging CGI and keep him in there. Nah, that always looks weird. Just as, him, just as himself. I don't know. It's one of those things because whenever there's a remake of something, partially you think boo remakes, like what is the, you know, do you need to remake something? But then I think we've spoken about on recent ones, those old ones still exist. Maybe it brings those stories to a new generation or what have you. Um, you know, a generation of film goers that might be put off by the effects of the original or what have you. I mean, I, I still hope there is that excellent scene with that man playing saxophone. I mean, that's a given. That's got to be... Oh, that's got to be in there. discussing him recently. Out. He's on Cameo, so you can pay like, what, 40 quid to get him to give you a personalised message. But he also does a little saxophone solo as well. I feel like I can't think of anything that I'd want more for my for Christmas. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> get Ben a sax solo from that man. I mean, if that isn't in the remake, then they might as well just stop and just stop right now. Yeah. Are you going to put like, it in the remake? No, don't even in put the it pitch meeting when you've got your whiteboard up and you're writing all the things down there. Before you've written down vampires, you should have written saxophone concert. Sweaty, sweaty saxophone concert man. Is he sweaty or is he oiled up? Doesn't matter. I feel, I feel he's oiled. As long as they keep that like sexy rock and roll dark aesthetic and don't go too Twilight. It's a very, very fine line when it comes to kind of because, vampire stuff. I mean, I totally agree with you, Laura. But also, if you remember in the Lost Boys, they are glittery vampires. We do get that in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but. Mm, yeah, mm. I always think that. They've also got day. denim jackets, and he goes, "Ah, you're eating worms, not really spaghetti, or is it worms?" <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, he does all he does all too. those things, and they have one of the things I like the best about the Lost Boys is some of just the throwaway dialogue that you never know. It's not the quotes with them, like. Um, you know, when they're fighting the vampires or anything, my favourite bits are when, like, the Corys are there and they're like, oh, what are you doing there? Like, boys, oh, you know, sorry, Mum, I don't want to interrupt you. I guess I'll just go and eat some peanut butter at the Java dinner in uh, I think, you know, what are you, are you freebasing? Like, it's so good. Like, the little comments they have are so much fun. It's very, uh, of, its, it's very of its time, that film. Um, so it'd be interesting to see a, a film like that with a new aesthetic, a 2021 or 22 mm-hmm. aesthetic as well. So, but yeah, open mind, open heart. Yeah. Let's let's have it. Um, so, come on, to be a vampire, you've got to do this TikTok challenge and go over this yeah. bridge. Jump <laughs> <laughs> on this oh, TikTok challenge. <laughs> oh no, oh no, maybe feel a bit funny. <laughs> maybe I've changed my mind, cancelled. Uh, what else have we got? So, the director of Underwater, a movie we've also covered on this podcast. Keep dropping that in there. Uh, Will Eubank, his reboot of Paranormal Activity uh, will be available to watch on Paramount Plus, apparently, in October. Didn't even know this was happening. Apparently, it's called Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Which Paranormal Activity is this? Eight, nine? I mean, I definitely... 57? 57. Yeah, 50, 56 was great, but I know 57. <sighs> Do we need another one? If it's like Fast and Furious, I think they should start getting great now. (laughs) All right. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I didn't dislike any of the Paranormal Activity films for what they were. 
Um, and there are some great individual, yeah, all of them have a habit of outstaying their welcome and having at least one character who is awful, who deserves to be got by a demon, yeah. whose name canonically is Toby. Um, so they deserve to get Tobied. Is that but true? a lot of them, yeah, his name's Toby. Um, like the baby from Labyrinth. He might, he might have a demon name, I guess. But yeah, it's Toby. <laughs> so um, Toby is out there. And <laughs> a lot of the Paranormal Activity films have at least one really effective set piece or scene. So I think it's in maybe the second one where it's attached to an oscillating fan and it's going back and forth. That is incredible. That's incredibly tense. Sat in the cinema, absolutely like entire fist in mouth, biting it. Um, there is one Ooh. of them which is Ooh, pretty yeah. much sponsored by Xbox because the Xbox Connect can see ghosts. Uh, and yeah, there's a there's a ghosty in there. Product placement. Yeah, um, there are some there are some good bits. There's a bit in the one that's in like Latin America where these gangsters just have a fight with like cultists at the end because they go into the monsters ink doors that come out in other people's cupboards. Oh, I've not seen that. Talking one. about it, what this is a no, wild no, series. Oh, maybe we'll it do maybe, wild. maybe we'll maybe do one e- of these. Maybe an episode based on the entire Paranormal Activity yeah. series. Because I honestly only think I've seen the first one. And I think I didn't like I've it seen enough. The first two. Yeah. I mean yeah. the first the first one, absolutely suck it, Mika. You deserve it for being a, being an awful boyfriend. Um, I honestly couldn't even even tell you. All I'm oh, thinking I had to about bring that back. This is so. This is called Paranormal Activity: Next of Kin. Just makes me think of the that eighties movie with Patrick Swayze, Bill Paxton, Liam Neeson, called Next of Kin. Let's have that. That that deserves a remake because that's well, maybe a, maybe a, maybe it will be them. Those characters <laughs> from Next that of Kin. Is the scary part of it. And then Toby <laughs> just turns up and says, "Right, it's me. Now I've been thrown into you. What an odd couple we are together." Ah, uh, they're like a an odd police duo. Yeah, okay. like I'm a I'm a really like tidy and fastidious detective. I'm a demon named Toby. <laughs> we oh, don't well, get on. <laughs> it's like the modern day Turner and Hooch. Yeah, also great, great film. Over the uh, over the course of the movie, of course, they will learn to work together and decide that their differences actually make them a very effective team. Yeah, and they've got a common goal at the end to say. Yeah, they're going to bring down crime in that city. Sign me up. Paranormal Activity. Uh, yeah, that's that's basically the plot of the new paranormal activity. We've got it sussed. Um, Andy will be contactable by email to discuss <laughs> to discuss yeah. his fee. Call my um, people, guys. What else have we got? So the last thing we got is that there's a final trailer for Halloween Kills, which is very, very close now. October the 15th in theatres, and I think it's going to be on demand as well. Um, but obviously, it got delayed for like a whole year, which is kind of horrible. Um, I didn't watch this trailer because in the first trailer, it felt like it showed a hell of a lot. So um, I didn't watch this trailer, but there is a new trailer out there. Is everybody I've, suitably I've, excited for this? Yeah, I've watched it. It's uh, It looks good. I think it's safe to say we'll probably do this film next month, right? Oh, hell yes. Oh, hell Have yes. you seen the trailer, Laura? I haven't, no. I the, have The not. trailer is very plot heavy. It looks like it shows us a lot. Um, See, I don't yeah. like I don't like it when it does that because mm. the worst thing is when you watch a film and you think, oh well, all the best bits were in the trailer. Mm. Yeah, in that case, guys, slap. don't watch it. Don't watch I, it. It's okay, um, I've taken I've, take, just... I've taken that bullet. If you're going to go and watch it anyway, but there is a lot of stuff in the trailer. Some stuff that would have been a nice surprise in terms oh. of characters and so on. Um, but you know, in brief, Mike Myers is at it again. He's 
is in amongst it. It's Halloween. Halloween again. Guys, <laughs> yeah. are you stabbing someone again? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bloody hell, mate. Pack it in. Oh, he's doing that. this for 40 years yeah. Jeez Louise Or well, no, if we're thinking about the uh, the sort of chronological nature of this movie, which it vetoes a lot of the older ones, what, from Halloween 2 onwards, he's been in prison for 40 years so he's been oh, he's got a lot of pent up stabbing. gagging to do a stabbing yep. Wow, you... that sounds like a really rough Friday night Are you out. hoping there's some more podcasters in this one, Ben? <laughs> What was that? What did you say? for some more podcasters in this. Oh, yeah. See, I like the introdu- introduction of podcasters in the last movie, but they were killed off way too quick for my liking. They should have been a mainstay, I believe. She's been in there to give all their hot takes at the end. Sorry, Laura, I uh, ploughed into you there as well. What location is it going to be a rough Friday night in? Which town are we casting shade on? Oh, uh, Bristol Harborside. Ah. <laughs> uh. Bristol Harborside. It's got a load of Mike Myers roaming around, doesn't it? On a Friday Just... night, gagging for a stabbing. You'll find gagging lots of people for a there. Gagging for a down there. Oh, <laughs> They've got t-shirts that say that on it. Gagging Jesus. for a stabbing, Mike Myers. I need to like copyright that now and start the merch line. Gagging right. for a stabbing, asking for it. Um, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so... Don't Mickey... victim blame, Ben. Come on. I know. I didn't. Yeah. I, I realised how that sounded immediately. Um, I won't victim blame, especially if Michael Myers is involved, because he's to blame 100%. Yeah, he's a I think definitely. Murderous bastard. Through all of those films, he definitely comes across as the villain of the piece here. Mm. Yeah. What I do like, though, about this is, um, again, I, I didn't watch the trailer loads. I, I'm a skim watcher of trailers now, because I don't want to see too much. I watch a little bit, might look away for a while pretend i've not seen it um it looks like there's a few interesting bits they seem to be calling back on other installments from the franchise um that has haven't perhaps got a lot of love in terms of the from the turn of the century in terms of the halloween movies but also what i always like is the thought that mike myers might be losing his mask and we might see his face or he might say something that's always that keeps me coming back to these movies even though when it actually eventually does happen, I'll probably be like, that was the worst decision they could have made. There is no, I'm going come to come out and predict it here, that they can't possibly do it because what, what if you're going to give him one line of dialogue, what is that What's one he thing say? he's going to say? I don't want to be gagging for it, stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gagging for it, stabbing. What about yeah. you? What voice is he going to have? What is he going to say? He's never going to please Not anyone. <laughs> All right. It's really scared. Um, I don't know. Well, His voice has fair, changed since he was eight when he went to prison. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it won't be this one, but the next one's Halloween Ends. If Halloween is officially ending, I mean, it won't be ending forever, but, you know, if yeah. the franchise is officially going to draw a big old line underneath it after these um, sort of reboot movies, what, what, what could possibly happen at the end of Halloween Ends to do that? The heat death of the universe. Nothing oh, short of. Yeah. Yeah. The way and, it, and, and even then, oh no, oh dear, yeah. I mean, probably whatever happens, even if the universe does end at the end of that movie, there'll be a big bang and it'll be just a tiny little William Shatner yeah. mask floating in the resurrected. Maybe a time portal will open and Jason X will pull him in into the future. Uh, you see, that's I mean, a stupid idea, but I'd watch it. It's a stupid idea, watched. but again, you're you're firing them out this evening yeah. these <laughs> stupid, stupid ideas stupid ideas for ideas. days guys hire me for all your stupid idea needs uh yeah but that is pretty much it for 
horror news. The only other thing we need to cover is, has anybody seen anything of note this week or or even just recently? Uh, Laura? New remake of Into the Vampire. Mm-hmm. What? There's a, there is a new one, did you say? Uh-huh. What? Don't know how I feel about that. Uh, what? So um, there's a so... there's a new one that's happened or no, is no, coming? They're, they're in the middle of casting it at the moment. Oh, I've got you, I've got you. But as a as a um, gothic teen, I spent many an hour reading the Anne Rice chronicles of Interview of the Vampire, the Vampire Lestat, Queen of the Damned, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Because in I'm my so- mind, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise will always be... Yeah, kind of... untouchable. So yeah. I see that Sam Reed will take on the iconic role um, of the stat. The stat. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I mean, I think that's perfectly, I think a remake of this, I mean, what was it, 95, 96? Yeah, I mean, Kirsten Dunst in it, and she was like seven, eight, maybe? Yeah, she didn't yeah. Hurt, she? yeah she was tiny. Um, but yeah, if it's done well, I welcome it with open arms. Hmm. If it's just, again, if they try and make it into some kind of twilight, then I will be ignoring think, its existence. Yeah, when we talk, when we talk about remakes, yeah, you'd hope so. What, what we, we don't, don't want is the um, for it to be like the the young adult, the teen version of this. Oh God, no! Yeah, which With does vampires, seem to happen a lot. Vampires, it's it's a very kind of thin line between mm. done incredibly well and awful. <laughs> Um, there's not a lot of wiggle room. Uh, yeah, so it's, it'll, it'll either be amazing and completely stand up and bring a whole new dimension to kind of the interpretation of what Anne Rice wrote, or it's going to be absolute gobshite. Yeah. Either especially, or. <laughs> especially with like a gothic period version of, of like a story like that. The, the line's probably even thinner, I would say. Yeah. In terms of where you can got to get it right, it. it's a lot of pressure. I think it depends where you put your money and so on. I think, um, you know, putting funding into things like your costumes and stuff so they look like it's accurate mm. period dress rather than exactly what they are costumes. I yeah. think that that's where your fine line is going to be. And I am fully welcome to. Any when they're, you know, even when they're touching these large properties, we have to remember that a lot of the biggest stars we have today did start in bit parts in in horror movies. You know, Kevin Bacon, Johnny Depp, loads of those guys. Their first films are, you know, as a as a minor part in horror movies. And you know, you look at, I'd, I'd love to see more people come up and be the huge stars of the future, in even in remakes of horror. But I think you have to be very choiceful of who you're putting in there and you have to have a lot of faith that they are going to be like a really unique and memorable performance not and just, not just serviceable yeah not just copy what what's come before like because if you're going to just do an impression of what had come yeah. before you know that's why you know things like the psycho remake get absolutely hammered because in so many bits of it they are shot for shot um, and you're never going to replicate those, you know, those great memorable moments. So you have to try and take something in its own direction. And that's why um, 
obviously the famous role of Dr. Frankenfurter, when people get recast as that, it's it's controversial because it's it's make or break. People don't want to see somebody stood on stage doing an impression of Tim Curry doing Dr. Frankenfurter. Like they want to see a whole new dimension. They want to see their interpretation of that story, of that character, of that famous dialogue that everybody knows so well, but bring, yeah, a, a new layer to it. I think the most difficult thing is with remakes is when they try to recast sort of iconic characters. I mean, iconic stories and iconic story beats are probably easier to sort of recreate in remake form. But when you try and recreate a certain character and their dialogue, um, so perfect examples like the Evil Dead remake, the fact that we didn't include Ash, we didn't get like a re, uh, we didn't get a recasting of Ash of Bruce Campbell's iconic role. We just got a completely different. Um, I think it's fairly it would have been fairly impossible to do it. I think to a degree you have to almost do with established characters. Your best hope is maybe if you're able to put them in different positions or do different stories, and you know you look at long running series like a James Bond, for example, where people have played that character, and it's not necessarily meant to be the same guy or you know it's all played very differently which it's one thing to do that in a series it's very different when you're remaking a standalone mm, film yeah yeah no i agree so coming back to your point here with interview with the vampire laura like you could have a story that has the vampire the stat maybe because there are a number of stories that he is in it might be far more successful to do a different story with that character and let that character establish itself and how this actor plays that character rather than say this is an interview this is an interview with a vampire and you know as this you is say, an interview of, with yeah, a 2021 yeah, interview of of, with a vampire are you a vampire summit yeah um, there we go That's <laughs> the interview. um cool so that is pretty much for horror news is any in terms of what we've been watching recently or this week has anybody seen anything they want to discuss i've been catching up on the new american horror stories ah, very interesting. which is uh, now streaming on disney plus um yeah not, <laughs> to not to be confused with american horror story which yeah. is of course the series uh which is what i was expecting uh, just a new series um but no this is american horror stories so it's kind of entirety of the story is captured within one to two episodes. So it's okay. linked with, well, it seems to be linked with the original series. I say, are they, are they linked? Are they separate? Because otherwise, again, you, you work in marketing, that sounds like a real life horror. Yes. Well, yeah. So uh, the first, the first, obviously I won't give away any spoilers, but the, um, the first two episodes are set in Murder House which is of course series one of the original American Horror Story, which is uh, my opinion the best. Um, and obviously it's, it's the same setting, um, completely different actors. They make a lot of references to past characters from the original first series. You don't see them, you don't hear them or anything like that. So yeah, I don't know. I'm still on the fence. I don't know how I feel about it. I've always wanted to engage with American Horror Story because I've seen it. I've seen it advertised, and I, in principle, I like what it's done. You know, in every season of of it, it's like a different horror trope or horror setting, right? And then they have stories mm. within it. 
It's uh, the David Bowie of TV horror series. Like it just <laughs> everyone is thoroughly different. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it, but unfortunately, I have Breaking Bad syndrome with it, or Twenty Four syndrome, whichever medical condition you prefer to label it as. Where basically, by the time I became aware of it, there is already too much of it, and I'm like, nope, can't commit to that. It's like I when someone said, watching it last year. Okay. I only started watching it last year, and then I just yeah, watched. See how much of it there is? Laura's been watching it for a whole year and still not yeah, finished. watching it for a year and you're not caught up. You see, there's too much. I, I, think, I think there's a perfect formula for it. Like when it's, I can make do if a series, there's, if there's loads of seasons of something, but it's a short programme, like we're burning through Parks and Rec at the minute and the, you know, yes. seven seasons of that and it's great. It's very funny, but most episodes are 20 minutes. So that's with your morning coffee. That's fine. Yeah. But when something's like there's lots of series of this and the episodes are an hour, something in my brain is like, and you have to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's not like a comedy thing where you can maybe dip in and out and you're just kind of not enjoying yourself. Though. It's like, hey, this is an intense thing with an interconnected plot. You have to have to. This is like when when GTA, like you know, Rockstar put down a new game like a Red Dead Redemption or GTA and say this is an enormous map and there are hundreds of hundreds of hours. I'm like. Would love to involve with get involved with that, guys, but I find it too daunting, so I will never play this. It's time a lot. is time is precious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's just not um, a lot. I've got dishes to do. Like there's the stuff that's going to need to happen. I can't can't get into all that. But I will try it. If if especially Laura, with your recommendation that the first season is the best. The first, so I think there's like eight or nine seasons at the moment I think ten, about ten episodes per season each episode's about an hour Some it, the seasons are either absolutely incredible or the worst thing I've ever watched some of them I didn't even bother finishing so yeah it's either all or nothing with that but yeah definitely season one murder house Mwah, chef kiss okay. murdery kiss a murdery kiss a, a, a murdery of... chef kiss yeah. yeah so it's like a chef kiss but it's a murderous chef it's a the most... chef kiss with a knife who are the most Poisoning. murderous Poisoning. chefs we know i guess leatherface some cooking yeah gordon ramsay uh, that guy from the little mermaid he's gonna murder wait, sebastian I, although I, he I is don't... a crab so is that murder he's just doing oh. his job hang on a minute um hannibal lecter he cooked someone's brain and fed it to him. Yes, of yeah. course. Of yeah. course. Confirmed live on podcast, Hannibal Lecter is the most murdery chef. Yes. Uh, and I reckon Gordon Ramsay, he takes some people back from his show and just he wouldn't, slips he the wouldn't throat the back. No, exactly. There we go. Um, is that is that all you've really seen recently of horror now? We don't always talk about strictly horror on this uh, during this section. I'm highly something. anticipating the new season of Dexter. Oh yeah, Dexter. Mm. When's that coming out? Soon, I bloody hope. I feel <laughs> terrible, but we keep talking about things that I've never seen. So I've never seen American Horror Story or stories. And I've never seen Dexter. Dexter's uh, great. Dexter was the staple viewing for when I was on maternity leave, which probably explains a lot <laughs> uh, uh, okay, <laughs> as to why my daughter's turned out the way she is. But no, really good Dexter at hiding bodies yeah great knife skills again um <laughs> psychopathic no empathy what um <laughs> this is gonna be like yeah my daughter Sociopath. <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Yeah, I do hope one, I, I always say um, she's either going to be a CEO of somewhere like massive and genius or she's going to be an inmate. And I just, I just pray that I get like a Louis Theroux to do the crime documentary on her. Uh, I don't want a Piers Morgan or anything like oh, that. No. I want, I want like a solid presenter. If they, if, if yeah. she's going to be an absolute murderous psychopath, we're we talking, or... we're talking fine lines again. Look at, look, look at the bright, look at the bright side, Laura. Like if, um, if Piers Morgan does do uh, the documentary. On your daughter, if she becomes a murderer, she won't be the worst person on the program. Got True. him. <laughs> True. You got him. You got, got him, him, mate. Got him. And she might uh, kill him. Sucked in, Piers. Oh, what kill a him. dick. <laughs> uh, Andy, have you seen anything? Nah. Worth... nah, it's been uh, it's been a busy busy old week. No. So nah, just just Rocky Horror. Um, yeah, and I listened to the. I watched Rocky Horror, and when I was out and about walking, um, I had the soundtrack on, a little bit of a sing along to myself. Fantastic. Um, in the run up to that, but otherwise, you know, the score, Ben. Halloween's Halloween's are coming. We're busy in the in the old Ooh. editing booth. Oh my god, we are. We are super busy. Um, what about you, Ben? The, uh, best event of the year. Takes a lot. Oh, of yeah. Time. A lot of time. It is. Prep. It sure is. Um, October, very, very busy month. Any uh, or... any watching for you there, Ben? Any other horror tidbits? Um, so I'm still watching Why the Last Man. I've seen a new episode and it is very, very good. I'm enjoying it. It's my new favourite show. Um, I know I mentioned this last week. Laura, have you have you heard of Why the Last Man? No. <laughs> Basically, I'll give you a very brief overview because I think I did this last week, but everybody with a Y chromosome in the world not just humans but every single being. animal and being yeah. on, with a y chromosome dies but except for one man and his pet monkey so the world is populated only by women and one man and his pet monkey um and it's very i mean it's very intense it is very very stressful so far um but it's great and i love the comic but this show is just so uh, four episodes in and it is really really blowing me out the water so far why the um, monkey? I highly recommend it. Well, we don't know. This is the thing we're trying to find oh, out. Okay. Why has he got the cure? Uh, why? Why is he alive and nobody else? Why? Is yeah. he really a monkey? Is he really a monkey? Well, I've not asked that question yet, but maybe they should do some sort of. <laughs> Sounds test. interesting. Okay. It's good. I've been enjoying yeah. that. Um, I've been watching more of Marvel's What If, and the reason I'm going to mention this is because. Um, the latest episode was Marvel Zombies and another comic which I really enjoyed um, was Marvel Zombies and seeing them actually apply this to an animated show was pretty great. They could, It wasn't too gory because they couldn't do too much. I think they're still aiming the show at kids. Well, not at kids, but like at a younger audience. But it was still interesting to see what they did with it. Um, and there were some cool set pieces, some really cool ideas. Um and have you seen it? Have you seen What If? No, I'm not. I'm behind on What If. I haven't had much time to watch very much recently. Like apart from when I was on the train the other week, and I had loads of time. But um, it's been a little time to sit and really watch stuff. So I'm gonna probably blitz What If when it's done. I loads think... of um, question-based programs for you though, Ben. Why the Last Man? What <laughs> if? Ah! <laughs> it's just the why. Um, <laughs> what? Why the Last Man? What if? Um... Who Any other question-based program? Who do you think you are? Yeah, magic. Magic can only watch question-based programs. Would I lie to you? That'd be a good one. Um, 
but basically i would like to see like a see i think it, i think Mar- marvel's what if would be great as like an actual live action horror film i'd love to see that or even like a series i don't care if it's animated or not i just think there's so many good ideas going on they could and the comic is really quite sick so I'd like, I like to see the, the Marvel Zombies. I read the first few. Um, I think my favorite one is Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness, where you get um, yep. Bruce Campbell in it. That one's a lot of fun. That's volume three, I think. Yeah. Um, and I liked it that the Marvel Zombies universe is in it's an ultimate fantastic four. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it debuted, wasn't it? It was like a spin-off. I'm not sure which one came that. first, but um I liked it. I liked it in that and I liked how they resolved it. It was a fun fun little book yeah yeah it's good i am not well versed in marvel and things in, i are. in yeah. in many ways you've been spared a a lot of a lot of these things especially <laughs> with it all coming up now that they are tying in all the other things obviously we've got yeah spider spider-man being looped in there like i just i pointed out to someone the other day like it's all very well, the continuity and everything that we followed when it's come to these 20 films that come in a rough order. There are already so many think pieces on the order you should watch them and so on. If they tie in the old Spider-Man, the old X-Men films, the level of bullshit there's going to be on <laughs> on like orders you should watch them in, it's going to be mind-numbing. Basically, we'll just, save that for another yeah. podcast. Hop, hop in, hop in. The WandaVision. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I went great, in yeah. and watched that not knowing any of the backstory, not knowing any of the characters. Um, because yeah, I've got various like nieces and nephews and sister-in-laws that are all like obsessed with Marvel and they're like, oh, but then you need to watch this and you need to watch that. And I just watched the series for what it was and I really enjoyed it. Just watch the, one that, you're, really watch the one that you're doing. Yeah, that's great. That's a that's a nice approach to it. My wife has very similar, <laughs> but she has over the years, I think she's seen pretty much all of them because it's a rare thing that one of us go to cinema without the other. Yeah. But her ability is that she'll forget a film the second she's walked out of the cinema. Like her favourite film, she does not remember the plot of. She just doesn't retain. She's very clever. She retains lots of good information, but not about the plot of films. So then I'm being an absolute idiot. I'm sitting there in the... um, We go and see a new one, and like there'll be like a little reference to one of the others, and I'll look over... To see if she's like, you know, if she's equally excited of this minor detail that no one will have for? picked up on. And it's like, <laughs> oh, sorry, do you want some of the drink? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and the only other thing I saw, which Luke mentioned last week, I saw uh, We Need to Do Something, the Sean King O'Grady directed and uh, Max Booth the Third written single location, weird horror movie about a family who gets stuck in a bathroom during a hurricane or is it um this was really good like it was so so it's super claustrophobic witty weird wacky all the w's i can't really i'm not sure how to explain my experience watching it but i couldn't take my eyes off it so that's good isn't it um so yeah i highly recommend that for like a a little weird a weird a weird watch quirky horror watch yeah where you're not quite sure if it is horror what kind of genre is this but yeah it's it's good um and that's it apart from the rocky horror picture show for the first time ever i was shocked 
Well, when you revealed your dirty, <laughs> dark secret. To the me. thing is, no matter how much of a film fan you claim to be, there are always those cinematic blind spots that you have mm-hmm. of films that you've never seen. So, you know, you go, oh, I'm a massive film fan. And then people go, oh, but have you seen The Godfather? And you uh, go, my, that's always Ooh. the example that I get. And I always go, no, I haven't. No interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've seen The Godfather, but there are so many examples. And luckily, doing this horror podcast that we're now you know 200 episodes in i've managed to kind of like how would how would you describe it fill in the blind spots yeah, Is fill that in right? quite a lot of those gaps i'll fill them in i'll fill it at I'll least in at least in the horror at least in the horror genre yeah but but rocky horror like it is a cinematic blind spot for me because as i've previously mentioned not a massive fan of musicals um and i think it's really difficult with cult movies to watch cult movies for the first time and be on board with them because well, they're cult movies for a reason, you know, they're, because for a lot of people, it's nostalgia. It's your experience with the movie, a history with the film that gives you that love of it. And I've got, you know, a love for dozens and dozens of films and dozens of cult movies that I've kind of grown up with. saw when I was really young that I feel that way about. So going in sort of cold, I would say, yeah, going in cold, dipping my toes into the world of Rocky Horror Picture for the first time ever, is it's it's very very difficult to sort having of... known that so many people love and adore and follow. Yeah. So yeah, what what it's was difficult. your knowledge? It's difficult in? to be fair as well. I think my point is it's difficult to be fair as well because you know yeah. if it's one of your favorite films ever and then suddenly you sit someone down and say right this is my favorite film ever and I watch it and then yeah. the person goes. Uh, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, fu- you're you're furious. You're absolutely furious. You're like, like, what's wrong? What, with- yeah. what is wrong what, with what, you? What, I don't know you, you. What are you not getting? This is like you know, this is like the current discourse in society, isn't it? You know, Snyder cut time with the Justice League. Oh, you just don't get it. I love this movie, and I'm like, everyone else is like, it's four hours long. Um, but um, so but think, yeah, that, but- that's exactly right. If there's if there is such a like a fan base that have such a passion for something. And you're coming into it new, it can be it's nervous. Yeah, but I will say I do understand the love for it from watching it. Uh, and totally totally respect it. And um, to answer your question before Laura, um, before I was rambling, um, my history with it is that so my girlfriend Charlie's like a massive fan of it. She's been trying to get me to watch it for probably two years. Good now. Girl. She's always like, she's always like, we've got to watch it. So she's seen it loads. And she sort of always talks about it and quotes it and says things. And then I'll go, what does that mean? And she'll go, well, that's from Rocky Horror. And I'll go like, shut up. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so yeah, my history is knowing that my dad loved it when I was growing up. Um, and he kind of, he was a huge Meatloaf fan. And fact, and Meatloaf was some of the first like rock music I ever heard. So there's a very distinct sound to the music in this film. So Meatloaf's music is, is rock and roll. Yes, but it's very theatrical very over the top um and there's something about that flavor the meatloaf flavor i mean it was music not his skin that he might taste like he probably does taste like meatloaf actually probably a bit salty sweaty um but (laughs) there's something about something about his flavor that i can kind of i can kind of understand and i can taste in this movie as well so it feels familiar to me even i've never ever seen it it feels familiar to me and i'm a big fan of tim curry as well but he's not but isn't it strange that I'm a big fan of Tim Curry, but I've never seen this. So for me, his most like definitive, distinctive role, I guess, for me growing up was in Legend as as um, Darkness himself. It wasn't what um, I thought you were going to say, actually. 
then. You I thought you were going to say Pennywise? No, uh, of course, Doctor Who. Congo from horror classic Congo. Congo? You thought I was going to say Congo. What were you going to say then, sir? What did you say then, Laura? I thought you were going to say Home Alone. Oh, yeah, of course. I love you. young kid, that was my introduction to Tim Curry. I think I do you know what without even thinking about it yes I think you're right the moment when he smiles in Home Alone 2 Ooh. and it cuts and it cuts immediately to uh, to the Grinch smiling yes sent shivers up my spine and still probably does um but I think he's the thing is what's great about him is that he can play literally the most terrifying beings in Pennywise and Darkness and Legend and then just be pretty damn hilarious in Home Alone yeah. too, even though he's a bad guy. Like, um, um, I mean, now you've started going on the Tim Curry train, like Cluedo or Clue for our American listeners. Um, he's so good in that as well. Like, he's such a versatile actor. Um, it's a little after my time with cartoons. Wasn't he the main voice in like the Wild Thorn Breeze or something like that as well? Yeah, he was the dad. Famous voice in, actor. He was the dad in the Wild Thorn Breeze, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah. great great stuff incredible um, range so yeah i guess so we'll, we'll dive we'll dive into discussing uh this movie at length so uh the rocky horror picture show is a 1975 musical comedy horror film um directed by jim Sharman. a newly engaged couple have a breakdown in an isolated area and must seek shelter at the bizarre residence of dr frankenfurter okay um, we got some choice reviews on Letterbox. Actually, so first of all, the score on IMDb is seven point four, which is super high. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, seventy eight percent critic score, eighty five percent audience score. So I think that kind of shows you how highly like fans of the movie hold. Yeah, it. versus the critical response. Although it's I even saying that. Yeah, I'm guessing at this point they've been, even when you're looking at the critic score, so many of those will have been retroactively influenced oh, yeah. by the fact of it's course. a cult movie now. I think if you look at when the film was released, it was hammered. People are shitting on it. Uh, okay, so it's 3.9 on Letterboxd. Got some choice reviews from Letterboxd as well. So a username, former movie enjoyer, says, personally, I think every film should aspire to be this horny and gay. Five Hell stars. Yeah. Five stars. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Nick says the reason why Brad and Janet's relationship didn't work is because they're both bottoms. Four and a half stars. I mean, that is a good point. Yeah. Um, and then Air Air Wrecker says Tim Curry ran in those six inch heels like a champ. My clumsy ass could never. Four and a half stars. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, and Elora on Instagram, you did put out. Um, a question to all of your followers on the Mama Massive account We've asking got a lot of really passionate Rocky Horror fans on there, which so I it lo- so it looked like it was mainly it was mainly love, right? Pretty much uh-huh. 100% love, yeah. Uh, some <laughs> there's some good ones here, but somebody said, I dated Richard O'Brien's son in uni and got to wear one of his crystal maze coats. <laughs> I would die, like, yes. <laughs> So like, I want someone... that. I need the full story of that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need the full story of okay, that. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll I'll ask that particular person to elaborate and uh. Yeah. Oh man, um, loved to wear one of his crystal maze coats. Man, that'd be so good. <laughs> Amazing. Someone so someone else said they called their daughter Magenta, which is like pretty insane. Someone Amazing. else said they 
someone else said they loved shouting slut at Janet during the stage show. Yes. I mean, it's a good excuse to do it. Um, but a lot of people were just saying that like they watched it super young, probably not not appropriate, but loved it. I guess it's just because it's not, even though we're doing it on a horror movie podcast, you, you'd say anything that was inappropriate wouldn't be, you know, the gore kind of happen. Any violence like happens off screen. Um, there's not much it's bad language. Implied. It's more implied. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just the sexy nature of it. You would say. Mm, would it's, it's, it is a whole sexual awakening in a film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for uh, <laughs> nineteen. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm still I'm still reading your comments. You're still uh, processing it. But uh, yeah. sexual awakening. How many people must have seen this movie and, for the first time like find out what being a trans a, a transvestite being transgender being bisexual mm-hmm. must have meant because there's like a whole there's the whole sort of um, um so every sexuality is on display in this movie yeah um and it must have been awakening awakening for a lot of people but also like one of the first i guess mainstream movies to really sort of push um, a lot of these ideas gender as well. walls and stuff yeah 100% yeah well, yeah and once again, in a horror movie, right? You know, everyone's overlooked genre when it's come to awards and recognition as an as an art form. Um, when it does get associated with awards, people slap a label of elevated horror on it. When I say people, I mean I mean awful people. But like again, like a film that came out in the late seventies, um, and if you think about society at large at that time incredibly incredibly um forward looking and um and just a different take from anything else that you were saying yeah like you know versus a very conservative media at the time like just think about the you know the censorship of films that was that was going on at the time you know what what could be said on television and so on Genuinely, I think some of the content of this movie, you would probably even struggle to get past some producers and production companies today, if you were if you were pitching yeah. it. Um, the seventies. I mean, I guess in like the post love era of the sixties, um, in terms of like sexual liberation, and I mean, we've we've already mentioned Bowie once. Let's mention Bowie again. Seventies oh. uh, was like properly the the decade of like androgyny as well mm. isn't it like it's and also we're also it's like pre-punk as well so the fact that we're, we're sort of throwing all of these things into this big i'm gonna keep calling things sexy this big sexy cauldron and allowing yeah. them to just it does really just feel like 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 that to me at least from yeah, the outside I mean, looking in i think sexy is the exact word for a lot of things we're going to see in this film then and to be honest if there are you know, pieces of software that are transcribing as saying the word sexy a lot of times will probably get as more hits than most episodes ever do. So say sexy with uh, sexy. impunity. Sexy, sexy. Hit me in that sexy cauldron. Sexy, <laughs> sexy. My sexy cauldron is overflowing right now. Oh. <laughs> just right. said, just thought when you've said sexy and TikTok in this, uh, in this episode. Oh. So oh, yeah. the algorithms are going to be off their tits. Oh, now I've said tits shot. as well. Now you've said tits as well. Jesus Christ. Um, and now you've said Jesus. We're all said... over it. We're hitting every demographic. <laughs> the adverts for OnlyFans everywhere. Oh, no, not OnlyFans. That's ruined it now. It will get banned on every platform. Damn it. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that bit out. 
Uh, yeah, so in terms of the cast, we've obviously been gushing, gushing over Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter, an eccentric transvestite scientist. Uh, we've got Susan Sarandon as well. And while watching this, I said, Susan Sarandon is ageless. There is no way yes. that Susan Sarandon is like what? In her 20s here. And is now, she looks the same now. Maybe yeah. I've not seen her recently, but she looks she, the same now. No, she, she is just as hot as the day she filmed Rocky Horror. Like 110%. That woman can do no wrong. She is ageless. She is just timeless. Yes, 100%. Yeah, really, and she's got a very young boyfriend at the moment as well. Good Ooh. on her. Living her best really life. Season. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely love her. Um, then we got Barry. So, so yeah, Susan Sarandon plays Janet. Uh, Barry Bostwick is Brad Majors. So Richard O'Brien plays Riff Raff, but he like wrote most. He wrote of the, the musical, musical, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote the musical. Okay. So how many? Sorry, I'm going to be questioning you a lot, Laura. How many? So like, when did this film like come out as a stage show? Before, oh, sorry, when did the show come out as a stage show? Like before the film? Was it like? <gasps> Well, I don't mean exact an exact year. I just mean like, was it a few years before? I guess. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a few years. Before. I'm gonna say for maybe four or five. Um, it wasn't like that. It wasn't out there forever. Um, to put a, an exact time frame on it, I do not know. I just know that obviously the stage, the stage, and then it was the film, and then the absolute madness. Yeah, the madness that followed the like cultural yeah. phenomenon. I guess you'd. I guess you'd say. I mean, I'd say, I've said it now. I just read it here. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, and then obviously uh, Patricia Quinn is Magenta. Nell Campbell, or Little Nell, is Columbia. Um, Meatloaf's in it, is Eddie. Uh, Charles Gray's the criminologist who's like the narrator, isn't he? The expert. Yeah. Um, obviously only bested by um, Ainsley Harriet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when uh, when the man who played like Blofeld himself, at least in some James Bond movies, is um, outshone. So he like, wasn't Blofeld someone. in all of Ainsley. Yeah, Ainsley. <laughs> Out, outshone by Ainsley, because Charles Gray has only got three different types of couscous on sale. Yeah, wow. he doesn't. Uh, Charles Gray not got the couscous range that Ainsley has. Are you a couscous or a couscous man? How do you say it? Um, I think I've been corrected to couscous. I would have read it as couscous, but that's a, an incredibly <laughs> middle class problem to have. Getting I've, been, oh, I've, been call, I've been calling it quinoa. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So well, I, 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 get, just like, I, I just like I get cuss. stressed if I'm at home when the cleaner comes round. Why can't we just have a cuss? Why do you have to have it twice? So nice. They named it twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's uh, the New York New York of uh, pulsing. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're talking about the film, right? Um, yeah. So, so obviously, <laughs> the movie starts with the narrator, dude, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, it yeah. it starts it starts with uh, the with lips song. you see behind me. There they yeah. are. The exact. We had lips. to look at this when we were watching it, and I think you, if you go on Google, you get as far as whose lips before the rest of the question populates. And mm. says, um, "You want to know whose lips it is because it's Richard O'Brien singing, singing, and it's the actress who plays Magenta's lips." Okay, okay. So Patricia Quinn, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And the song is was it that site? Was it science fiction like? double feature? It's 
one of my favorite. I mean, there there aren't bad songs in it, but this is one that always sticks in my head every time I've listened to the film, every time I've watched the movie, listened to the soundtrack, I end up singing along with for a while. Um, and I guess it shows, I assume, from the writing, Richard O'Brien's love for that era of cinema. Oh. Um, you know, these, these big sort of sci-fi, I guess most of them would be considered like B-movies and things like that now, but, you know, really tentpole sci-fi slash horror movies of the of the era so the day the earth could stood still day of the triffids is mentioned the forbidden planet with the uh, you know starring former topic of discussion leslie nielsen as well like all the all the greats in there i mean i was getting a lot of different horror era vibes from this so obviously like classic sort of like i guess like 50s and 60s sci-fi but also like universal monster movies as well mm-hmm. Um, and I guess obviously that's with the the, the Frankenstein theme. Uh, if you dissect it, there's so many different themes and layers to it. And you know, the more you watch it, the more you will notice different things. Hmm. Um, you'll always notice and see something new. And I think this film is like with this song it kind of is presenting it in its original format. So even as though, even though we're going into a film, this kind of introductory song, which isn't presented as part of the narrative, but something on its own, it really sets the scene that you're about to be shown a performance, right? It's like yeah. a, it's like the opening song to a stage play. Um, and I know that when you see this on the stage, it's like someone dressed as an as an usherette, you know, with a little ice cream yes. that usually does yes, the song. With popcorn and beer and the little tray that they wear around their neck, yeah. Yeah, because obviously it's very difficult to get a massive pair of lips on, yeah. on, on stage. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a really it's a really nice way to present. And I guess with hindsight, after you've seen the movie, it ties the themes, and there's a variant of it in the ending as well, right? That that ties the things back together. Mm-hmm. It really wraps up the film in a nice little bow. Uh, love this song, in summary. Is, is the stage show pretty much like the, the same as the movie in terms of like scene by scene and song by song? Pretty much exact. Like the script is probably practically identical, right? As an actor in that stage show, I would be terrified to get anything wrong because every single person in that audience... I guarantee will know the film pretty much oh, word yeah. by word. Like the pressure. If you get an um, article wrong. If you say the instead of ah, you're going to hear about it. You're going to get tweets. Yeah. <laughs> it's like wow, a test terrifying. every night. It must be to be in that production. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, obviously the opening scene is a, a, a wedding. And yeah. pretty much every all of the main major players of the cast are at the wedding aren't they yeah in in the guise of other people yeah right? so um yeah Riff Raff and Magenta are like a couple that work in the church um Frankenfurter slash Tim Curry is playing the priest that has just conducted the wedding he's in the background of the photos I assume maybe Laura you'll know um the just the general wedding guests are they also the guests at rock at the, at the party yeah, later I are, yeah uh, so i believe they are the people that turn up in you know frankie's lab and things like that yeah did anybody notice a certain well i'm sure you did it's probably silly to even ask this but 
there's a particular British pantomime mainstay in amongst the cast of the uh, Transylvanians. Did you notice who it was? I mean, the oh, fact that I... is it Christopher Biggins? Christopher Biggins. The fact that I... <laughs> oh, of course, yes. <laughs> the fact that I could identify him so quickly. So initially, I saw him and I went, "Is that Elton John?" That's the first thing I said. Second, the second bit, I said, "Actually, no, it's Christopher Biggins." And I'm actually, I can't believe that I can identify him so quickly, Mr. Yeah. Christopher Biggins. But he's there. Biggins radar Biggins. is strong. Yeah, you'll you'll Biggins know. <laughs> Everyone loves a bit of the Biggins. Uh, Big up the yeah, I noticed so, it when I, I was—I'd forgotten about it entirely. And then the second he was on screen on this watch, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you're like, oh, I remember this. that now." Yeah, Biggins, Biggins. Like a lovely little 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 treat that you forget about, and then you're like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> oh yes. Um, so I'll be honest. As soon as I noticed him, I did think, "What have I got myself in for with old Biggins? What's he doing?" Um, but yeah, he's just a it's tiny, be a tiny next role. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> plenty of Beals in this. Um, but yeah, tiny, tiny role. Obviously, very early before he his definitive role as uh, as buttons wid- or whatever wid- he does. Widow, <laughs> widow, twanky, twanky, twinky, 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 twinky. Widow I reckon working. Chris Biggins will do a good the genie in some uh, in some performances of Aladdin. Yeah, I could see that. The he, genie. He's got the big enough personality yeah. and voice to fill that. Some would say he's as good as Robin Williams. Some would say that. <laughs> uh, he's a British Williams. I mean, Robin Williams. Definitely Robin Williams. Jeez. I mean, it's definitely a joke, and let's move on from that immediately. Yeah, we're going in the um, wrong direction. <laughs> uh, so. So at the wedding, uh, who is it? Just like a wedding of Brad, Brad's it's mate? It's just one of Brad's friends. And yeah. like, they're, it's, they're, very, they're presented as like, you know, it's like little cliques they have in high school, I guess. And they're old friends. Yeah. They all know each other and they're interested in who's marrying who. Exactly. The proper... They're all perfect. Everything's pastel. Mm. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty sickening. It's a shame <laughs> that Luke isn't here, obviously, as the... Riverdale fan of the podcast, he'd be able to, you know, have an analogy for that straight away. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So Janet catches the bouquet, doesn't she? When they do a little, yeah. little bouquet thing, which you know means she's going to get married next. So mm. it's the law, go. unfortunately. <laughs> it's the law in this part of the world. In, in nineteen um, in nineteen seventies, if that's something you did, that was that was as good as setting a date. Uh, and then, and then we get. Um, like a song which leads to Brad proposing yeah. to Janet. It's another fun, fun song. This, uh, again, this isn't to cash shade at the second half of this film, but I think the front half in particular is loaded with the banger. best, catchiest song. Absolute banger after banger. And you don't really have that much let up. There's probably what, a minute? Maybe got, two. Yeah, a handful of between, dialogue in between the songs just to link them between together. Songs. Yeah. Yeah. And we're straight into the Damn It Janet song, which has, as you've already identified, Ben, the the background characters just doing the Janet bits that yeah. are just a lot of fun. And this is why it works so well as a as a stage play, because this is the type of thing as well as the heckles that the audience really get really get tied into, right? Because you can join in, it's fun. Apparently, when um, Patricia Quinn actually um, recorded the audio for Damn It, Janet, she was uh, incredibly high. 
Um, so so uh, it has been told she's, she's smoking the devil's lettuce. Um, so yeah, she just... Who's what? Yeah, I, so um, she apparently just did completely different voices and different guises in each kind of different take. And um, yeah, that's the one that made the cut. Pretty amazing. That sounds like that. fun. Another good little tidbit. Well, again, they, it says root. It's always they. They said, "Who are? Who's they?" But pundits, yeah. wags, you know. Yeah, <laughs> people on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, and then obviously it moves on fairly quickly to um, Brad and Janet lost um, in in the in the rain, and then they see a guy on a motorbike as well, don't they? Yeah, they've seen several people pass on motorbikes, so they're confused when it's a, a dead a dead end. And this is yeah, one of the bits. Yeah, this is a longer section, I guess, where we get some nice dialogue between the two. And when, when there is dialogue, not songs, it is nice, punchy dialogue as well. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, you know, them worrying about the, you know, the, the, the rain that will come back into a nice little joke later on. But, yeah, they're broken down. The criminologist has been on um, a nice little touch. He'll point out, like, a fact, like, Unfortunately, their spare tire was badly perished, and then of course, <laughs> then the um, the tire blows out. He then Brad points out, "Oh, if only I'd changed that spare tire." And uh, they're gonna, ha- and then we're gonna have to go and get help. But where will you go? Oh, didn't we pass a castle just a just a couple of miles ago? I'll go. Uh, I'll go there. And they a big, uh, creepy, scary-looking castle with, with a crystal yeah. from <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> the crystal with the dome. crystal dome. From Crystal Maze there, and you're like, Who, who's in there then? I mean, right. if, it's, if Richard O'Brien's in there, I will eat my hat. Yeah. Um, and obviously, then we get another song of them in the rain, um, which is what's this song called? There's the a light over at the Frankenstein place. Yeah, another fun little, another fun little song. This one's very fun on stage because then people will appear in the windows mm. to do the over at the Frankenstein place. 
Yeah. yeah. And that's really when you first kind of get introduced to the main key characters in the guises that obviously they take throughout the entirety mm. of the film. I kept thinking, like, how many uh, costume changes there were for certain characters. I particularly paid attention to Dr. Frankenfurter and his costume changes. I think I counted, like, maybe, like, six. Mm. Um, yeah, when you're, when you're in the stage play, I imagine there must be, like, a team on standby just to throw clothes on and off you in the backstage. Gosh. They have so many quick changes. Yeah. Luckily, though, I think um, someone like Dr. Frankenfurter has got the same sort of get-up underneath various coats and cloaks. Yeah, so yeah, he's wearing, like, the medical jacket and stuff like that, and then he, you know, he'll just rip it off, so. Mm. There we go. Yeah. Uh, also, Janet is covering her head with, like, a singular sheet of newspaper. Yeah. this one just Very to keep herself nice and it did look highly effective though because she had like a <laughs> bit of, she had a bit of knitwear on and i thought that knitwear looks completely bone dry Hi. paper it's was almost, a paper like was a staged. tougher thing that then obviously back <laughs> in like the 1970s <laughs> back in the 70s ben you hadn't got to worry about your gsm you could make your paper as thick as you thick as you wanted to there was planet for days so you Climate could change um, didn't exist yeah uh, and <laughs> even hadn't even started yet they were just yeah. they were basically just out of the ice age so you could have really thick paper and you know it would withstand a heavy shower that's what we're missing from this day and age uh yeah so they get up to the the house and they ring do they ring the bell or bang the door either one the bell i think they ring the bell and who yeah should i think it's an old school yeah, like a like bell it pull be, it should be a bell pull <laughs> so, yeah i think it's one of those um, and who should answer the door? But Richard O'Brien himself, um, or Riff Raff. Um, and yeah, so initially I was like, right, okay, so he's like the, um, what's his name? Sort like of an eagle, like a butler. Igor, that's it. He's like an eagle um, sort of butler dude. Yeah, and this is where we get, like, this is where we get some of the other fun, just the sharp dialogue where, you know, I feel it's influenced so much sort of horror comedy in the years that followed, you know, where it's like, you're wet. So. Yeah, yes, it's wet. raining. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just wonderfully delivered for such a simple. Mm. Got and with a completely straight face by Susan Sarandon as well. It's uh, it's dry. Very nicely done. Very nice, <laughs> and you forget about it. And it's low key, and it's a proper like for me anyway. Like a nice laugh out loud moment with these little deliveries like this. The dialogue between Janet and Brad's really good as well. And I like how it sort of progresses throughout the film as well, as Janet pretty much warms up to everything and every everyone, everyone and everything that's happening pretty quickly. It takes yeah. Brad a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, so there's obviously a party going on, uh, the annual Transylvanian Convention, which is where all these bikers that they saw earlier were attending as well. Um, and then they go into the sort of main hall. Is it like a hall? Would you say that? Yeah, they go into the big main hall. Yeah. The main I... party hall, just in time. And I'd entirely forgotten, this is my first exposure to this long before I had seen the movie, had seen the stage play, had seen anything. Everyone's been to a wedding, so everyone, certainly in British society, born since this film came out, yeah. probably knows how to do the time warp. We did it at school discos in primary school. It's one yeah. of those songs where you don't know where it comes from. I never, knew it was, I never knew it was from Rocky Horror, yeah. ever. 
I never knew that. That's that. I mean, that's insane, isn't it? The fact that that I knew that song so well from like weddings and mm. school, school discos when you're running yeah, around sl- sliding on your knees. Yeah. It was all you know. It's it's you know. It's Music Man, Time Warp. <laughs> love, love, love a oh, song that features the instructions to the dance in the lyrics. Yeah, what right, an efficient yeah. way to enjoy yourself. Cha cha slide. Yeah, you don't you don't have to feel left behind. Everyone, you know, every, everyone's kind of like, what, what we've got to do? Oh, we know. Okay, one oh, verse in, listen, we listen know. That's 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 your warm up, you know. For you know, when Wigfield gets comes out, you have to rely on a certain degree of muscle memory. Same with the Macarena, but with the time warp, mm. everything you need is packaged. It is. It's there. It, it is fun. just a jump to the left, followed by a step to the right, right, and so on. Hands on your hips. And so on. Um, yeah. Etc. So this yeah. so this big, big sort of music musical moment um precedes the arrival of uh the main well, the main character. Best damn part of the film. Now this oh, is pretty effective. Yes. The the slow Entrance. the slow drop of, of the elevator, of the lift, sorry, as it's coming in in the background, and then uh Janet notices him before Brad. And it's the screw. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's amazing. What are you screaming at? Um, and this probably Tim Curry, the only man who could walk into a room where Christopher Biggins already is and get all <laughs> and the and out yeah. and upstage, upstage and get all the to him. <laughs> um, so yeah, he walks yeah. in uh, and immediately jumps into the a big, a big musical number, which kind of tells you everything you need to know about mm-hmm. this character. A sweet transvestite from Transylvania. A sweet transvestite from Transsexual which of oh. course you just think are just lyrics to the song and also describing, you know, him and how he identifies, but comes into it later as some more details emerge about the origin of this character. Um, but yeah, it's a very impressive and fun, probably the most fun part of the movie i think it's my favorite you mentioned like, i can distinctly remember this from when i was a kid is this your oh, like prevailing memory laura of when you first saw the, like, oh the film God, too what is this? yes oh and like i've not seen many people that look as good in stockings as he does tim carrie's legs mwah, like beautiful 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 yeah this is one of these they things because I wasn't around at the time, but I understand from, you know, comments that like for a long time after doing this film, Tim Curry didn't like talking about it in interviews and so on. I guess the questions were all about, you know, why he chose this particular role. Apparently in later years, he, you know, would quite happily talk about it and had a good time. But I think at first it might be one of those things that you worried you're going to get typecast off the back of. Yeah. I think he wanted to distance himself a little bit just so he could remain as Tim Curry, not the guy who played blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, unfortunately, for for good or ill, um, there are probably less roles available in acting for um, transvestite Transylvanians. Um, You know, (laughs) you're not going to get that type of range. Um, you're not going to get as as regular casting calls, but um, he does look like he's having a whale of a time in this movie. 
he looks like he's having so much fun but that's not like you forget it's acting Uh, (laughs) and so his dialect apparently he modeled it on a mixture of the queen and his mother because he doesn't have that he doesn't yeah he doesn't his accent's not strictly british it's not strictly american like there's 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 something in there that reminded me sorry sorry Reminded me of Kenneth Williams a little bit from the Carry On movies. Yes. Er, uh, uh, yeah. Sort of thing. I could see that. Very much like a sort of, yeah. So, yeah I, I see the Queen bit as well because maybe it's just the pearls and the and the, and the the curly hair and when he wears a jacket later on, but immediately my mind goes to, that's is that like a Margaret Thatcher take as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great... It's a great ensemble, but all of the influences that are in there, it's so good. And you mentioned, Ben, that um, Charlie uh, quotes this to you all the time. After your first date, did you say, antis it and then leave it for a long time? <laughs> yeah. And I went, oh, finish, finish your words. Jesus, what's wrong yeah, with Yeah, God. You all right, love? Yeah. Are you all right? Are you bored? This ain't work- working out. <laughs> this ain't working out. Yeah, I quoted Rocky Horror Picture Show to him and he just left. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you're still sitting there waiting. Just, just, yeah, on a death. Oh, like, it's especially it's an early date, right? Because I can't anticipate, and then you're like, can't interrupt. Yeah, can't interrupt. Don't want to be rude. I'm still waiting there now. <laughs> I'm a skeleton. Where's this going? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is like the introduction, I guess, to all, all of the main characters as well. So Riff Raff, obviously Magenta, uh, Crystal Columbia. Biggins. Christopher Biggins, <laughs> Slash Elton John, you know, whoever, whoever it is. Um, and it does pretty much move at a really quick pace going from this musical number into uh, come upstairs to the lab. See what's on the slab. See yeah. what's on the slab. Mm. What's on the slab. Um, they think to themselves, all right, and up they go. Brad, in, in the little bits of dialogue, has asked to use the, has asked to use the phone, um, but they're having none of it. They're... Uh, they're doing their thing and they're off to show them what is on the slab in the aforementioned lab and up they go and up they go in their underwear um, yeah they've been oh, stripped yeah. to their underwear, in their underwear right? of course. Yeah. yeah and uh, this is just like uh, maybe this is a very i mean brad and janet are presented as as american in this but it feels like and this is probably richard o'brien's you know writing and culture as well here there's a very britishness about the fact that that something is happening that's incredibly strange they've bumped into some characters that are completely out of these guys comfort zones and then they are being stripped to their underwear in front of other people but it is still stay polite yeah it's yeah it's more (laughs) it is more disruptive for you to for you to protest about that too much so you just you just yeah, go along with we're it we're guests in someone else's house it's like taking your shoes off at the door you know should i take should i take my shoes off yeah yeah and yeah. everything else yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> taking oh, your shoes off at the oh, door well, is, better, is one better. of the standard things say. like like i don't know what state someone's carpet would have to be in, in their house before any english person walked in there and didn't immediately start taking it you, your house would have to be made of shattered glass before I wouldn't immediately go, I'm, even, I'm taking my shoes off. 
Even when you say, should I take my shoes off? And someone says, oh, no. You still go, well, I'm going to well, anyway. Because... Well, I'm, I'm, oh, what, what I'm hearing there is that you're making shoes optional, so I'm going to take them off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, and then obviously we get the reveal as well that um, Frank has dis uh, discovered the secret to life itself, as he quotes right. it. And uh, he's created someone called Rocky. I did always Just seven wonder. days. I did always wonder as well what the Rocky part was about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I never really understood that because I knew the main, I knew Dr. Frankenfurter was a character in it. Are you going to switch it on thinking he created a boxer that would go on to spawn a number of sequels? Exactly. I thought old Sly Stallone was under there. Um, I would not like to see Sylvester Stallone in Golden Bloody Smugglers. I don't know. In that is not even 1980s Sylvester Stallone. No, the height of no, his no. powers. No, leave. I'll leave that. I'll uh... leave that to the imagination. Yeah, okay, then. no, I'll, gonna... I'll take Tim Curry. Thanks. I'm going <laughs> to throw this to you then. So, if you had to have uh, a mainstream '80s action star in Budgie Smugglers playing Rocky, who would you choose? Is that question to both of us? To both of you, correct. I think. I think Arnie. Just because, uh, do it, do it now. Oh, because of his huge, his huge muscular build at the time. I'm gonna sidestep you, Ben. I'm gonna go with Van Dam. I reckon he can okay. do the, he can okay. do the splits, okay. can't he? Okay. When he's doing yeah, the like... dancing. Yeah, he could. Van Dam. Oh yeah, I don't know about Van Dam's. I was about to say Van Dam's acting chops, but Rocky does very little acting that needs to be done by mm. what's his name, Peter Hinwood. Um, so this is his first acting role. First acting so, role. And apparently, it's not him singing either. No, so all of his dialogue actually got cut. So he didn't have a few speaking oh, right. lines in the film when they all got cut. Brutal. Well, and yeah, well, his, um, his voice uh, when he's singing is also dubbed. <laughs> he has just uh, a pretty face. And uh, he stuffed his pants with a rolled up sock because, you know. Did he? Well, I, don't know. Him. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. It, it could get cold in the lab, you know? <laughs> on the slab. Uh, <laughs> on, the la on the lab in the slab. I was confused by this because obviously it's like a sort of Frankenstein's monster sort mm. of scene. I was confused because initially, like, um, when he was in the bandages, he was underwater, but then he gets out completely dry. Yeah. So it's a tank. It's, it's unclear um, as to whether he was a mask or whether it's some kind of conductive energy, whether it's a bit of both, um, or maybe it's just there to kind of be confused and for you to kind of truly never know. What tend to, tends to happen in the stage here? Because obviously there's like a tank and there's a pool even at the end in the movie. So is that kind of involved? Is there water um, in the stage No, there's not water involved in the live show, no. Um, I was going to say. The, the tank just kind of on the, in the live show just tends to be literally an empty tank. Um, and then the pool scene, at least the live shows that I've seen, they kind of uh, superimpose kind of like water lights. Yeah, okay. that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah. So it's to kind of give the impression. But um, unfortunately, no, they do not ship in a uh, full-size swimming pool into a theatre. <laughs> Bloody amateurs. I know. Uh, <laughs> obviously, there's a, a... So when Rocky comes to life, there's like a celebration with a song led by Frank Inferta, which is about... Um, how does it go? It's in just seven days I can make you a in man. In just seven days I can make you a man. 
with like a Charles Atlas, um, like a famous like bodybuilder of the era, yeah. I guess, um, saying that you don't need to do all these bloody exercises. You can make a real sexy man full of muscles with just the power of science. But he buys him some weights as well, and like a yeah, they're wrapped like up nicely. He's just basically oogling over his new toy and getting That's his face much, very it? close to his crotch. So has he pretty much made him just to just as a sex machine? Sex machine, sex toy man. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, Before yeah. love honey. <laughs> Before <laughs> love honey. Yeah. Before <laughs> love honey, you have to genetically engineer your own yeah, your own man. What you had to do, you know. It took you seven whole days. I'm assuming Love Honey have some kind of next day service. They do have next day now, thankfully. Yeah. Oh God for that. So God in, for that. In, in, the, in the late seventies, scientists were having to go to great expense, and mm. now seven times quicker. Just a couple of links. I mean, we've been on to Kipling. We've been on to a few people for sponsorship. Love Honey, if you're listening. I reckon Love or Honey Ainsley. would probably be... Get in touch. Maybe a combination of both, Love Honey and Ainsley. This episode is brought to you by Love Honey and Ainsley Harry. 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 It's Cus -cus. Cus -cus. Six fucking varieties, guys. Come on. Be it for something to, you know, really bulk out a salad or something to bulk out any other thing that you need. Either of our sponsors have got something Any to give you a hand. Thing, we got you. Uh, so what happens then? So the the talking of bulk, oh, that's probably bulk. A bit, probably probably a bit mean to meatloaf. Um, but yeah, so he appears out of a refri refrigerator, interrupting the song on a motorbike. Um, so he's got like a sort of mark on his head. I'm assuming like his his brain's been used in some way. Yeah, I think they... Got a little they... fact for you here. Oh, uh, set designers forgot to build a door in this oh. scene. So that is why Milo crashes through the wall because it was a necessity. Because they were like, oh shit, there's nowhere for him to actually right. enter. Oh, so... Uh, yeah. So you just I mean, crash through I, a wall. I respect that, though. I respect it. You know, no door smash through the wall. Modern problem solving. That is, that is the, the very essence of rock and roll that Meatloaf embodies. Mm. So here it Chaotic says... energy. So Eddie is Columbia's current partner, but here it says yeah. Frank's ex-lover. I think I mean, there's, there's a tie-in for it, and we get, we get it in some dialogue later, but we may as well touch on it now. I think that Columbia was partnered up with with Frank. She was his, you know, she was his girlfriend for a time. He then dumped her for Eddie, but then she, because he has them all just stay around in his big um, party house, um, she fell for Eddie, and then mm -hmm. Frank got sick of Eddie, froze him in the freezer, and used some of his brain. So he operated on him to trace the scar. So yeah, some of his brain is in Rocky. Okay. Yeah. It's almost like so a, again, a very kind of Mary Shelley Frankenstein kind of hmm. vibes. But um, at present, anyway, Eddie is still alive, and he comes out on his on his motorbike out of deep freeze, where he's been frozen <laughs> away in the you know in, in the lab. Um, he comes out of deep freeze and uh, sings us all uh, a compelling song about how much he enjoys rock and roll music. Mm -hmm. 
Never would have guessed that was coming. <laughs> Classic yeah. meatloaf. Classic yeah, as soon meat. as you have this, surely, you know, and as you say, Ben, like, it feels like a lot of the music in this is very, like, meatloaf era, like, big orchestral performance-based rock, a rock song that has a bit of piano to begin with and an eight-minute intro. Um, this is, yeah, this is prime like a meatloaf song and there's some lovely it's a bit of a change of pace from what's come before and the character is very different as well um but it's a high energy song high energy song everyone's dancing enjoying themselves but um so i thought meatloaf was in this a lot more but it's obviously quite a small part because frank frank jealous uh, kills eddie with a pickaxe while columbia screams in horror um but then frank justifies it as a mercy killing um, I think he says that to Rocky, doesn't he? He calls it a mercy yeah. killing. Yeah, because yeah. Rocky's like quite disturbed by it because yeah, he's, he's like, just what, been. What? Yeah, he's kind of come out of. We uh, we skipped it before the seven days. I can make you a man song. Rocky gets for me one of the underrated songs of the movie about the sword of Damocles hanging over oh, yeah. his head. Like he's come out and he's <laughs> as he's born, he's quite a depressed character right yeah like he a, has this very kind of monotone like bloody yeah. life uh, he's born he's basically a teenager already he's, ooh, well, yeah, he existence yeah yeah woe is me he says um but yeah so yeah frank kind of says oh no don't worry about that man i just brutally pickaxed to death it was in many ways a mercy killing because reasons and then he moves on to, he does a reprise of the of the seven days I can days. make you a man song. And then forgets about the murder he's just committed and uh instantly goes onto Rocky's abs. Yeah. Takes him <laughs> off to takes him off to bed. Do you know do you know what's kind of weird? And I'm gonna say this about Dr. Frankenfrey. I understand why he's an iconic character, but he's problematic in quite a lot of ways, isn't he? Oh like, he's yeah. almost like he's he reminded me a bit like He's definitely got like a cult leader sort of thing where everyone sort of is it is at his every whim. Bit of Charles Manson going on. Yeah, um, Charles Manson. And everyone's not... scared of him. He, he, everyone's he, a bit scared of him. Everyone is scared of him. Yeah. And then also he kind of uses his sexuality as a weapon as well in some ways yeah. because he kind of it's kind of like his final. If things aren't kind of going his way, he feels like right. And now I'm going to use my sexuality to kind of be a bit more like control people in in the, mm-hmm. in a certain way. Um, and also a bit like. Is consent always involved with the people he targets? I don't always know. It didn't always no. feel like that. No, especially when so, you get to the kind of the later scenes with um in separate beds with uh, Brad and Janet. Yeah, Bears. it's coming. It's coming right up now. This yeah. is pretty much now. Yeah. So I uh, mean, he's done. He's done it. He's doing it with a smile and a wink. But in many ways, he's Weinstein in them, and it's there's no excuse for it. Really, yeah. Frank. Time's <laughs> up, buddy. Yeah. Have you have you Weinsteined me? Because I feel like I've been Weinsteined. <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sals. Um, so yeah, he does. You're right. He he like poses as Brad to go and visit Janet, and then as Janet when visiting. Because Brad. they've never done it before, as well. Yeah, both um, both uh, big old bloody virgins, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> the first time, the first time with your uh, with your your fiance, with your other half, soon to be, soon to be, soon to be um, married, and he looked down. It's Tim Curry. 
I, I love the bits in the, the, these scenes are so funny, both in the film version here. And <gasps> the live show. These the live show is so good. They're so, so good. Yes. In, so, Laura, in the versions that you've seen, is it that where, like, the bed is standing up? Standing so up. The, yeah, so the guys, the people in the beds are literally standing in real life but it looks yeah, like we're looking down on them from the down, ceiling and oh and then the, the shapes that come through the do oh it's brilliant <laughs> so so fantastic funny. And this and this film and this film version is so funny as well i love it in both cases when because frankenfurter always goes in pretending to be the other one so he goes into yeah. janet first pretending to be brad and does the voice perfectly and what have you and then the wig just comes off and he has mm. his big bushy hair underneath. And he's like, um, oh, but wasn't it nice? And he's kind of like, oh, well, I would never. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and then their, their dialogue is almost identical. It's like, no, no, you're yeah, to play. You're to play. A... What have you done with Brad? And it's like, oh, nothing. Should, uh, should, should I? I? <laughs> yeah. And, and then you get the extra dimension when, so he's obviously seduced Janet and they've done something i'm not sure if it's implied if they've just had sex or if he's just gone down on her or something in the in the uh in the bed because that's definitely what he does to brad mm. because obviously yeah. towards the end of that scene <laughs> the, tim curry does an excellent bit of talking with his mouth full yeah <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah that, that's a beautiful those scenes both on stage and in film, which are, you know, obviously in the film, it, it's it's all about the silhouettes. But yeah, on stage, it's it's so incredibly clever, especially when it goes wrong as well. And there's, there's a lot of ad lib, there's a lot of heckling from the audience that really kind of jeers them on. And um, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's some of the the funniest and memorable non-song scenes of the entire. Bed of the entire 100%. yeah of the entire entire film. So yeah, this has happened. Um, and Frank has promised both of the people that you won't tell the other about their transgressions. Mm. And technically, for all of his Again, other actions, he keeps that promise. Finest. Yeah. He keeps that promise. Unfortunately, though, um, Janet sees him and Brad having a lovely cigarette together when she's off oh. to... And, and you immediately make the assumption that, oh, they're sharing a cigarette, when they've definitely... In, in, indulged in some sort of sex act. Indulged is indeed the yes. Yeah, uh, um, and then and then she finds Rocky, who's like in his little birth tank. Yeah, he's, he's been he's sad because uh, Richard O'Brien's been bullying him. Yeah, he's been yeah he's saying with the prong. Richard and then uh, Janet Ooh. Janet gets her sexual awakening. She's you know she's lost the V plates now. She's raring to go. She's all over it. What a this evening has been really eventful for Janet. Damn it, Janet. Damn it, damn it, Janet. Um, and obviously she becomes intimate with Rocky. Um, and Magenta and Columbia are just watching from their yep. bedroom monitor. On wearing Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah, classic. classic. It's wonder they got away with that. The mouse is very litigious. <laughs> I think. Maybe in 1975 he wasn't as on it. Now you yeah. simply show the mouse ears. Uh, silhouette and he's on it yeah. he's hitting he's hitting you with a he's suing your ass yeah but yeah lovely little bit of cctv yeah yeah they're, they're watching another another fun song as well mm, yes what song is this of this bit i don't remember 
touch a touch a touch a touch me oh yeah of course yeah 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 another 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 great another great fun song is this this is i know that she's done lots of singing this is susan saranda's big big solo one though for this film yeah i think yeah i'd say this was her main song yeah she's got a very like breathy voice it's very girly. It's very like, oh, like innocent. There's like innocence, isn't it? There reminds in voice? me of Sandy from Grace. Yeah, and I think yeah. don't um, Columbia and Magenta pull that up because when they're watching, well, they're like, they oh, tell her. us about it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit, but there's probably parallels between Sandy and uh, Janet in terms of like sexual awakening as well, isn't there? In terms of their yeah, and also with the whole like Frank Professor and T Birds and you know that whole again similar aesthetics similar parallels kind of yeah this was before greece though right Ooh, 1978 <laughs> to me my phone 1978 greece was oh okay so this was before greece interesting it's bringing uh, you greece take that greece yeah take that sandy Happy cats. um and then after this bit is when the doctor, the ever dude, Dr. Everett V. Scott arrives in his wheelchair. Stop! Very interesting scene where he's just flying, where he's, what, he's just whizzing around the house. Yeah, he, like, gets, yeah, he, gets, he, gets, mag- he gets magnetized into the thing. Frankenfurter pulls the lever and sucks so him right like in. The Asian rooms and everything. It's great. Yeah. Laura, you've, you've done it now by saying, Dr. Scott, I feel we should have started the episode as that for our intro of like, Ben Errington. <laughs> yeah, that would so, be great. So he's related to, to Eddie. He's, he's Eddie's uncle. Looking for uncle. Eddie's uncle, yeah, right, okay. Um, but Frank and Fetter already knows Dr. Scott because he understands that he works for the, the UFO Investigation Bureau where we start to get more... It's. I mean, it isn't a film of of mysteries and and big reveals. I think it's hinted to a number of times that they're they're there's some a, kind of aliens. Not of this there's planet, a, yeah. There's a moment where Riffraff talk, refers to Janet and Brad as Earthlings, mm-hmm. and and it was then that I was like, hang on a minute, <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. Who is this Earthling? I mean, person. And, yeah, because because yeah. doesn't Frank refer to like sort of hit him when he said when he does that or like yeah. sort of tells yeah. him to he's like shut up. shut up um and then is there like this is like a dinner party sort of scene or a dinner scene yes. yeah they sit down for a lovely dinner after they've all confronted one another they go well let's go and sit down for dinner and then unbeknownst to everyone for a few moments frank converter is serving up eddie to eat it's a very tender subject yeah. So I've is... never looked at one of those 80s like electronic yeah. things. Whenever I see one of those now, I think of meatloaf. The person, yeah. not the food. <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. Do they do they still exist today, electronic carving knives, or are knives just sharper, meaning they're they're not needed? Oh, I'm sure I they mean... exist in some they only exist in yeah. horror movies now, don't they? Do they not? Do they only exist in a Toby Carvery, or and we don't need them in a house anymore because now we're less inclined to massively overcook meat? Yeah, I mean, I'm veggie, so I've never really 
had that much of a need for this, one. This nut roast really this needs... Nut roast is <laughs> this tofu, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this tofu is tough as old boots. I cannot yeah. get into it. No, I can, I can say that um, I did not own an electronic carving knife. No, no, no. Then again, I it's could... not often I'll have a massive turkey, so... No. I think my grandparents had one. I think I'm pretty sure my grandparents had one, but outside of that remit, I don't. I feel like if I had one, I'd use it for a lot of stuff. Like well, we'd use un- it for your unnecessary. Bread. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine a loaf. A crusty loaf. A loaf of tiger bread because they're so you'd, enough. You'd, you'd, you'd get through a tiger bread like a knife through butter rather than bread. I like it. I like it. I like what we did there. Now, there we go. Add it to the Bye. list. Uh, and, it's and, and also a cameo from the saxophone dude from Lost Boys, please. So basically, Ben, you'll get a Christmas morning. You'll have an email message from Laura that says, "What you know? Here's a video link, and it will be little sax solo that man and say, oh and Ben, look under your sofa. You look under yeah. the sofa. Electronic carving knife. Yeah. So the bet. This was like included. Thank you very much. Oh, lovely. <laughs> And then he'll do a saxophone solo. He'll do Careless Whisper. And then, you know, there we go. Christmas sorted. Can't uh, uh, so, yeah, the dinner ends when Frank and Furter reveals that they've been eating yeah, uh, Eddie's. They do meat. a little song about it. This is another one of my favorite. I've got too many favorite songs in this, but I like the song about, about Eddie. Uh, when being Eddie said he didn't like it, said he knew he wasn't a good kid. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, very, very good. Um, and yeah, it's revealed. He does a really dramatic reveal of just swipes the tablecloth off and it's his coffin. Coffin. With all mangled up. He's got the Toxic Avenger in there. He's got like a wonky eye. Yeah. Um, he's that's about away, as graphic as I think the entire film gets because stereotypical yeah. Yeah. horror wise. Yeah. I think, yeah, because in terms of like judging this film based on its horror merits, which obviously we tend to do on this podcast. It's probably quite difficult to do that because there aren't that many moments where, I mean, of course, it's got a lot of horror genre influences mm-hmm. and inclusions and there's a lot of themes going on that you kind of, kind of recognise as already mentioned, universal horror and other things like that. But in terms of like actual horror moments or moments of gore or something like that, probably like, yeah, this is it. One or two. There's obviously deaths towards the end as well, but not yeah, that it's really a- that you... A pickaxe murder, um, and then you eat a guy. Bit of casual cannibalism. Casual, casual cannibalism. Casual cannibalism. Again, Frank and Fert are not big on consent. There, maybe they would have liked to eat a person, but it feels a bit. Yeah. Feels a bit off, off. uh, Manipulation or off piece to just trick you into eating a man. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there we go. Already. Uh, So yeah, after after the dinner. Everyone ends up back in the lab, don't they? There's like a yeah. Lot- um, I think it's because um, in the big panic of um, having noticed you've, you've eaten Eddie, Janet runs into Rocky's arms, and Frank is absolutely livid. He gives yeah. her a slap and then slags her right off. Sings a song about it. In fact, how she should wise up. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Bit mm. harsh. And then he uses the Medusa transducer to transform pretty much everyone he's annoyed at. So Janet, Brad, 
Rocky and Rocky Doctor Scott. Yeah, oh, yeah Doctor yeah. Scott. Uh, she Scott. turns in Columbia as well because she is she's hacked off with him for eating Eddie. Oh yeah, because yeah. How do they do? How do they do this in the show? How do they do this in the show with the? Yeah, they just stand still. Yeah. Don't turn into statues. No. Actual statues. Rubbish. Um, yeah, and then after that is sort of like the big, big sort of finale, which is finale. Yeah, I love that bit. It's just so retro and just I love it. That's why I said it feels like sort of small scale, this film, because it feels like it translate, translates perfectly from like a theatre show, especially this bit, which is essentially is yeah. a theatre show. Like You're a watching a theatre show inside what is a theatre mm. show. Yeah. Yeah. For um, modern audiences that, you know, haven't grown up on this film, if you're listening to us talk about it, having never seen it, and you are a young person guess this is like a self-aware Deadpool thing. But yeah, effectively that's what it is. It's a show within a show inside a movie of a show. I think that's enough layers. But it's incredibly self, it's, it's self-aware. Like even within the film, uh, Frank says, oh, we're ready for the floor show. And it's mm-hmm. on a state. Like, they've, on they've a stage, a, on a, a stage, yeah. in a studio. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like one of those infinity mirrors. You're like, where does it start yeah. and where does it end? Nobody knows. Or if you've got a camcorder and you have it hooked up to the TV, the thing, and then you point it at the TV, and you oh, see God, yeah. infinite loop. Grippy AF. Uh, so obviously, there's a big performance with all of the statues being um, turned back, unfreeze, unfrozen. Um, but it is interrupted by Riff Raff and Magenta dressed in their ultimate finale costumes. Yeah. Ultimate finale costumes. Mm, and let's those, just are, talk, let's... those are strong, strong fashion. You know, costumes. Laura, this would be a good dress up for the um, if you've got enough, you know, metallic fabric and wadding. Yes. And I, if I could get my hair literally up, because obviously she has the white streak running through the black. That's the classic Bride of Frankenstein look that she's got going on. Richard O'Brien, don't know how to describe that hairstyle. Little pineapple head man. Yeah. Uh, do, do people tend to dress up like this for the for the show? I've seen one or two. Common. Mm, I said, yeah, you, you see a few. You, it's a, you get a sprinkle. You can tell who are r- the real diehard fans because they will go for the more obscure choices um and more like niche references um where you can tell you know the people who have maybe like never been and they're going for the first time they will go for like mm. dr frankenfurter or yeah yeah i feel like frankenfurter is one that people are like again it's it's a main choice but also it's like the if you are you know if your normal lifestyle isn't uh dressed like that then i think that's what you're most accepting that normal folks might dress up as because it's a fun costume to dress up you're in a fun costume like you you probably like borrow your wife's or your girlfriend's you know heels and they're like oh my god how do i walk in these you know get someone else to do your eyeliner and so another fun fact is the makeup for frankenfurter was actually designed by the same guy who worked again with David Bowie 
<laughs> and um, the makeup took four hours and Tim Curry just couldn't be asked with it. So we did his own. Oh, see me and that, Tim, same. That iconic look is his own makeup skills. Cut he from the that. same cloth there, Andy. Cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I'll be voicing a cartoon dad before you know it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he um, he. It, it's such a strong look, and for him to have done it himself, that's incredible. Mm. Yeah, definitely. All him, baby. Um, so, yeah, the, all the characters the... appear to have gone through an arc at this point. As they're unfrozen, the lyrics to their floor show song kind of states where they are. Um, Character-wise, right now, you know, most notably, Brad and you know, Brad, Janet, and Rocky. I guess Rocky's like, I'm only seven hours old, and the only thing I really appreciate is just love a bit of sex in. Um, seven hours old, and already got his end away. There you don't go. Know, don't know where to comment or. What but they all say. kind of are mirrored from Frank's look as well. It's they're all kind of mini franks with you know yeah. the makeup and the stockings and the corset and feather boas and mm. yeah uh susan sarandon so janet is basically going oh just you know again I, have you had this real sexual awakening dtf now all the time um <laughs> that's what i love um, it's just it's just life yeah and uh brad is still a little bit more straight laced he's kind of lost to it but i think he's a lot of uh succumb to it in another yeah, way but well. he's a bit like oh help yeah <laughs> mommy yeah. uh so there is obviously a reveal when riffraff and magenta interrupt the performance they reveal themselves and frank uh to be aliens from the planet transsexual in the galaxy of transylvania so that song earlier was pretty much them just saying where they were from just hanging a lantern uh, on it no saying, subtext. this is where we live <laughs> this is where we live um, and they basically stage what is a mutiny um, to announce a plan to return to their home planet but they claim that Frank has like failed his mission yeah his lifestyle is uh, his lifestyle is too extravagant so I assume some unknown superiors have said yeah because he says I'm your new commander so they've said okay Riff Raff you're in charge now whack your shiny uniform on come home um Frankenfurter and his experiments, his lifestyle is too extreme, so he's cancelled. Um, and you're you're in charge now. And this prompts Frank to do a he does like a heartfelt, well, you know, he does like a goodbye song, quite a somber moment that really talks about his experiences on earth and how it's time for him to say goodbye. He's gonna return to transsexual, but then um uh, Riff Ruff comes down and goes, ha, sucked in, soz. <laughs> um, actually, you're not going home. Um, you are going to a little place you might have heard of, Oblivion. I'm going to laser you. Um, the ground. Well, what was quite cool here is that obviously the laser beam mirrors the pitchfork from that he had earlier when he was at the church, yeah. which I thought was I pretty cool. I noticed that very clever. Very clever, I yeah. I have noticed that before. It's yeah, uh, same. Nice little touch, um, but yeah. So he laser beams the shit out of Frank. <laughs> um, is that is that the technical term? It's the only way you can get laser beamed. The laser shit. beamed the shit. Even if a, even if the laser beam isn't particularly harmful, it, you can still the shit out of someone. You know when laser people at the 
Remember people at football like were lasering the goalkeeper in the eyes? <laughs> that was laser, no. laser, the shit <laughs> laser, laser pen. Basically, you get a laser, laser pen in the eyes. Oof. Fucked. Absolutely ruined. I do remember but, buying the laser pens when I was about seven or eight. Like they were everywhere and then they got and banned. Do it, and do it into the sky. Yeah, but again, this was like early 90s. Shoot so. down a spaceship doing that, Ben. Um, exactly. A teacher at my secondary school, um, very nice man uh, by the name of Mr. Harley, he was covering a German lesson across the language block and then a kid over the way in the other side, he shone a laser pen through there and rumour at the school was... <laughs> That the mat that the teacher thought he was having a heart attack and it was quite it was quite distressing for him. Pretty sure that kid got expelled. What? Um, oh my god! Yeah. That was before people were doing I, it. I, see, I'd he was ca- a pioneer. I'd, I'd kind of think someone was trying to snipe me. Yeah, I'm sure what that was, and jumped down. I've been I've been, I've been listening to uh, Bob Mortimer's audio book, and uh, he <laughs> says when he was at school. This is really, really is a tangent. He said when he's at school, there was a kid he knew with a really big head and his nickname was the sniper's dream. (laughs) And they said that there was a teacher with a limp and they called him the sniper's nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was a tangent, but Um, I needed to share that. but, But Frank gets it anyway. So he... You know, he's of, of the two. He's a bit of the sniper's dream. It's kind of sad though, because he goes from his kind of carefree self, who's very in control, to literally trying to scramble up the walls to yeah, almost like an to eight, save himself. An animal. Yeah. Um, and there isn't a reprieve for him, and there isn't a. There's no one to help him. And I think Columbia tries to intervene and just gets lasered. Um, Rocky Rocky Cat picks him up and carries him to like the top of the yeah, tower. Yeah, and then Riffraff lasers him anyway. Um, and then at this point, even uh, Magenta's like, "Oh, what did you kill him for? They, uh, mm. they like, they liked you." And he's like, "They didn't like me." Um, bit of a misunderstanding, really. That sometimes misunderstandings can cause these terrible tragedies. Exactly. So communicate with people is the message we're learning here. <laughs> Communication is key. Yeah, there we go. But <laughs> yeah, Brad... sometimes just talk about your problems before yeah. anyone gets lasered. We laser the shit out of anyone, right? I think the laser is a good answer to everything. All right, what you want to argue <laughs> well, with me? Oh, well, I've got a laser. You. Is, you're, like doc, laser you're, like, you're like Doctor Scott, aren't you? He's like, oh, I think he did the right thing. Oh yeah, yeah. He sort of says, yeah, that's a bit strange. But you're Brad, right, Janet, and, <laughs> but Brad, Janet, and Doctor Scott are—they do survive. They are let go. Um. And then it is the whole of Castle Frankenstein. Wait, not Castle Frankenstein. Is that what it's called? Castle Frankenstein? House Castle Frankenstein, I guess. Or yeah. the castle. Yeah. The castle off. takes off. That is essentially the spaceship. Um, and then the sort of the final sort of note is from the narrator again. Talks about um, the human race equivalent to insects crawling on the planet's surface. Insects crawling on the, the Earth's face, yeah. Um, and then it's kind of like just like like their lives have been irreversibly changed by this experience they've had and now they've got to live with it this one night um and that's kind of the end and then we have kind of another version of the science fiction double feature that took covers the 
the events of the film. Mm, it so, ties it up nicely. Again, with yeah. a bow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do it talks, about, it talks about he lost the creature and how darkness has conquered Brad and Janet. Bit of a downer, really, but you know, we had a fun time. It's a do song think, as well. So, do you think Brad and Janet uh, got married and lived happy, happily ever after? I mean, it definitely, if they did, they definitely became swingers. Yeah. I, I reckon, no, I don't think they did. No. Janet, Janet got the taste for it. Let's see what you mean. Janet got D- the taste for the uh the DTF. whole life. Yeah. <laughs> the whole life. Whole life. Yeah. Live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> the whole life. Taste to get out your mouth. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. I don't think they got married. No. There we go. That's the end. This is what we need. We need one of those classic, like twenty years later sequels. Now, well, forty years oh, later sequels. Oh, that'd be horrific. Just to depress it, like just maybe like just like a just a really somber like one one location movie, just Susan Sarandon chain smoking and saying about all the all the misadventures. Yes. It was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, (laughs) Didn't choose the whole life, it chose me. Whole life chose me. (laughs) Nice spin-off. Right. Shall we do a bit of name game? Uh, we will explain um, to you, Laura, exactly what name game is. Basically, we're going to give you a synopsis. Call names, right? No, no, that's for after the podcast. <laughs> Once the podcast has stopped recording, we can let down our public personas. The mask slips, and yeah. we will we yeah, will berate you. As soon as we stop, soon as we stop recording, we're like Ben, you absolute slag wagon. You 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 mispronounced three words on this episode. Like that slag wagon. That's what they call me. Um, all around Bristol. So, so name game basically is we're going to give you a synopsis to a movie, and the title of the movie is going to sound pretty much exactly the same as the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it's not quite the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It will all become evident after like one of them. You if, you, if it's not warn me about this, <laughs> okay. Well, this is your warning. Merely seconds before we start. If it makes you feel better, like Laura, we quite often don't get them. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, we like that. We, we like never usually, get them. Usually, an incredible stretch of the English language. We'll we'll, we'll do a tester. We'll do a okay. tester, and then you know, if, if you get it, great. But if Andy gets it, then at least you will understand the the process of how the game All works. Because right. the thing is, one thing that I've learned from this game is not to overthink it, because occasionally I overthink it, and the answer is so damn simple, obvious, okay. that I feel silly. Uh, so, do you want me to go with one of mine first, Andy, or did you go want... on, Ben? Should we? We'll alternate. You go first. Okay, we'll alter- we'll alternate. We'll do one each. Okay. So, uh, the plot of this movie is: Sweethearts Brad and Janet, stuck with a flat tire during a storm, discover the eerie mansion of Doctor Frankenfurter, a transvestite scientist whose latest creation is an Italian dish that includes potato flour and egg dumplings. Is it Noki Horror Picture Show? It is the Noki Horror Picture Show. Correct. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Sometimes okay. you just need one, right, Laura? That's All what right. you need, just one. The Noki Horror go. Picture Show. You're okay. on board. You're on board. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you ready for one then, Ben? Um, so Brad and Janet, uh, a young couple, very much in love. Um, their car breaks down and they find their way to a castle um, where a mad scientist, Dr. Frankenfurter, has made the perfect man, except instead of being made of, you know, muscle and, and 
and the peak of physical fitness and health, he's made of little tiny stick biscuits that are chocolate coated on one end, popular in Japan. Hockey. Hockey horror picture show. Hockey horror picture show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we just whoever gets there first. Whoever gets the there first. Hockey horror picture show. Yes. Hockey horror picture show. I, I may be at a slight advantage because I was try that was definitely one that I thought of. <laughs> but didn't get there. Okay. I've got another one. Yeah. So <laughs> this should be pretty easy. So I guess it's fast, fastest finger first. Uh, okay, go. So Sweethearts Brad and Janet, stuck with a flat tire during a storm, discover the eerie mansion of Dr. Frankenfurter, a transvestite scientist whose latest creation is a tiny man who's good at horse riding. The jockey, the jockey horror, horror picture, picture show. show. Oh, I mean, Laura jumped in there and got it just before Smashed you. It. Angry, but... Very well done. Well done. Um, okay, this one's a little <laughs> more complicated. Are you ready? Oh Good God! It, hit me. So, sweethearts, Brad and Janet um, break down not in the middle of um, the middle of nowhere, but actually at quite a well-populated uh, conference center. Um, and there are two. You know, they they have to go in there to try and find a phone and find there are two events on um, this evening that have been they've been double booked at the Excel Center. And the two things they have, one is like really low taste, bloody, gore, gory movies. And the other one is uh, a bar convention showing like sort of kind of large jugs that they're using to distribute drinks in. So without oh, wait, an option wait, wait. to rebook, they have to both present at the same time. Oh, Jesus. This, one of them is picture, as in a big Correct. <laughs> yeah. Is it schlocky? Yeah, so put those pieces together then. The schlocky horror picture show, is that it? Yes, the schlocky horror picture show, <laughs> correct. Oh, Jesus Christ. That hurt my brain. Oh, if you think that one's bad, Ben, wait for my finale. Oh, gosh. Oh, Jesus. Um, so the next one of mine um, is including somebody that we've already name-dropped throughout this show. Uh, so Sweethearts Brad and Janet. Stuck with a flat tire during a storm, discover the eerie mansion of Dr. Frankenfurter, a transvestite scientist whose latest creation just can't stop yelling, Adrian! <laughs> it's just the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's the, rock, the Rocky Balboa Picture Show. Uh, uh, the you. Rocky Balboa Horror Picture Show. <laughs> wow. Well done. Well done. Uh, we've got okay. one, more. one more. I've got, I've got one more for you, Ben. So... Sweethearts, Brad and Janet, break down on the highway. However, thankfully, in an age of mobile phones, they uh, are able to just call a service to collect them. Um, the service is run by um, retired superhero Ben Grimm, and he transports their car with his truck for free, but he complains the whole fucking time while they're with him. The Rocky Horror Picture moan? Not quite. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, so... So Ben Grimm is the thing. Correct. What does he look like? <laughs> he looks rocky. He's quite rocky. Yeah. The rocky driver. Wait, what? What was the rest? So he's happy to transport their vehicle on his truck and, you know, drag it along with a hook. Um, but he's every time while they're sitting in the car, he's, he's just He's just picture uh, toe is the right one but he's just complaining he's complaining the whole time when they're with him going the, on the, ro the rocky horror bitching toe the rocky horror bitcher toe i'll give you that 
Yeah. <laughs> that was so, wow. there were so many things to unpack. There really like, was. That, there were layers to that. Like I was really lazy. I just thought, change one word and that's it. Oh, without Luke here, I thought we had to have some incredibly yeah. like complex ones. There were a few, as we mentioned last week, was it was the most chaotic version of that. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty chaotic as well, but still. Good times. I love I, I love it how Laura went from oh I'm not sure I'm gonna I'm not sure I'm ready for this to being like diving on those ones. On it. <laughs> uh, yeah, As so always, that... I think this one this one has more more to go. So if you're on the Facebook group, chuck us some more in there. We'll throw some more out for the for the group. There's more things that rhyme with these words. Oh, I am all over that. Yes. Uh, so all that is left is to rate the movie. Uh, standard, like from A to F. I'm sure I know where some people are going to go. Uh, so, yeah, take the floor, Laura. Let us know. Yeah, you go Triple first. A. Triple A. Triple A. I mean, there's never, there's never been a triple, triple A battery. So, the, high, the very highest you can go is A. Plus. We ain't having no triple A batteries okay, going A down. A. Plus, because this <laughs> shaped and helped to form so many things it was so ahead of its time and pushed so many boundaries and it was such a massive risk for them to make both subject wise and also financial wise um and it eventually it paid off and still yeah. what four years later we're chatting about it like excited schoolgirls. that's weird yeah. but yeah <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah. it is timeless. It there will be generations to come that will still love Rocky Horror Picture Show. There is there's it's just infinite. I forgot to ask Laura, have you seen the remake? I have not. A sharp yeah. inhale, a flaring of the nostrils, don't talk about it, it. widening so I, of the eyes. Oh, I watched it a couple of days after it came out. Not say no more. No. Okay. There we go. We will I'm say sorry. no more. No. I guess not into it. The only reason I'm going to jump in here, Andy, is because I want to. You know, we're going to go A plus, and so if I go next, and then you can, you can be the you, you, you go then. You go the voice of the voice of reason, shall we say? I don't know. Moderator. Um, so, so, so something <laughs> I was, so something I obviously mentioned before was like it is very hard to go in cold to a cult movie especially someone i've never seen before especially as someone who's not particularly a fan of musicals so for me to like and also in terms of being a host on a horror hangout podcast where we sort of go over in massive detail horror movies every single week am i going to judge it merely on its merits as a horror movie that's probably not fair i wouldn't say that was fair so I won't do that. Um, I completely understand how it is uh, such a cult, cult favourite. And it's probably going to be something now that I'm familiar with it, now that I see more of it in pop culture, you and will. see more versions of it and understand things, you know, I'm probably going to enjoy it more as that happens. Um, but I mean, I watched it last night for the first time ever. So it's really difficult for me to be sort of to gush, say that word again. It's really difficult for me, for me to gush. Um, so initially, after watching it last night, I wasn't particularly, I mean, I was fond of it, but I wouldn't say I was a sort of huge fan of it. But I will say discussing it tonight has offered up a lot to me from hearing from a huge fan of it, from hearing your guys' experiences of the movie, growing up with it, how it's affected you and shaped you. Um, so, yeah, even this discussion has given me more of, of a love for it. 
Um, so I will say for now, I'm going to go for a classic horror hangout rating of B minus. And I, and I will a say, initially, I was hovering around a C, but, oh. now but I think this conversation has bumped it up. And who knows, my love for this film might grow. As... You, need to see, you now need to see it with other people. With I think audience. seeing it with other people, Ben, yeah. is a big deal. And possibly seeing a, a stage thing. When, when going to the theatre is something that is more normal and doesn't come with a logistical nightmare like it might do at the moment, once we have shows and stuff, I'll fly down to Bristol, we'll go. Oh, Ben, get your stockings ready, love. Okay. okay. Get them ready. They're they're already halfway pulled up. Uh, and also, honestly, well. we'll, we'll be good to go. Oh, I am so into it. You don't even <laughs> need to ask me the twice. Only, the, the only other thing I'll say is like I'm a huge fan of Tim Curry as well. So like his involvement and his it was like an enigmatic sort of insanely, insanely good lead performance. So uh, that's probably part of the reason why I enjoyed it as much as I did. If it was someone else doing it, maybe not so much. But the fact that it was him. If it had been Tim Rice, fucking no. Could have been, yeah, fuck him. Not t- Tim Rice. <laughs> there we go. Had the dad jokes right at the end, eh? Yeah. Is that what you're doing to me? Got it. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to appreciate it, Ben. Um, yeah, so ratings for this is it, it really hard, Ben, and you've captured it perfectly. Um, I always find any rating I was going to give is always at risk of going up, having just spent some time talking about it, even films that I don't enjoy about this. I find hearing, you know, talking about it with whoever's on the show for the week and really hearing other people's takes on it, it's going to make my reaction to a film more extreme one way or the other. I find my ratings being bumped up when we have fun talking about it. If things that we've really all had bad things to say, it drags me down. And this one, it's definitely the former. Um, I've got a fondness for this movie. I like it um, a lot. I love a lot of the songs and probably before I go to bed tonight, can I have a little uh, little listen to some more of the songs that will be humming them in my head? So we've talked about them, but I haven't heard them. So I'm going to have to have a little bit of those on there. Um, super, super iconic performances. And for now, having seen the stage show, it's so hard to separate the fun experiences you have watching this on a stage from the experience of this recorded version of it that we're seeing as a movie, because this is as close as damn it, you know, this is basically like you're watching a like an all-star cast performing it. I mean, minus Ainsley, obviously, if modern technology Ainsley could, bloody if, if modern technology could put him in, honestly, when I, when I saw him on that cast list, I was like, Ainsley Harriet, a TV chef, scoff, no. Brilliant. I'm gutted I missed that tour. Oh my goodness. Um, when we post this episode at him, see if we can get him to uh to to reprise the role some power of social media. Come on, get him in. Um, but yeah, on to ratings. Yeah, it's so hard. As a horror movie, it doesn't necessarily hit the brief because like you say it doesn't have scares. I mean if you had a particularly conservative mindset, maybe you'd find it terrifying. But uh, <laughs> in terms of scares and what we, we usually talk about in a horror movie, it doesn't hit those marks. It's a very enjoyable film that's fun and, I'll say it again, sexy in a lot of places and has... All so- places. It's, sec- it's, yeah. it's 
sexy throughout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to be fair, even the even the straight laced criminologist, he's got a powerful speaking voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's wouldn't mind him telling you what to do. Yeah, jump to the left, step to the right, hands on hips. Yes, yeah, he's, he's always about it. Um, yeah, the, there's there's so much the sex about, there's so much that's fun about it. It's catchy, so it's a really hard thing to place um, for some kind of fitting within our rankings. I'm going to give this a B plus overall. I think because I think the quality of this as a fun movie and an experience with horror themes bumps it up where active horror content might not hit all those marks so for consistent theming across our board a b plus from me there we go i think that's a fair fair cross-section from everybody a lot of things fair, but unfair a... is not one of them have you ever given a film the bottom rating um yes. what was it was it your mate uva ball and um yeah alone uh, in the dark yeah alone in the dark was a film that we, we gave <laughs> Did you give an f minus i think i might give it an f minus yeah we've done we've done a few where we've not been where we've not been fond of them but to be fair as i said as i said just now by saying a classic uh, classic horror hangout rating of b minus <laughs> we get stuck giving films b minus like a lot because we're like oh yeah we enjoyed that but it wasn't like the best film i've ever seen b minus so I think we need to do more. We need to step out of our comfort zone and go for more potentially naff movies sometimes. Do we need to do films that, like, because the thing is, that's our other challenge as well. Like, naff movies, in a sense, we've had Alice on with us a couple of times, right? Alice Taylor-Matthews and talked about things that they've presented at the Bristol Bad Film Club um, that are, by their definition, bad movies. I fucking love them. Like we did pieces so, not long ago that was so a lot bad of fun. They're good. Well, it's, yeah, um, well, it's so bad they're good. It, and yeah, like Sleepaway Camp is, is a is a terrible movie. There's a man that has a paper mustache at one point. <laughs> it's probably one of my slasher my slasher favorites. It's so much I fun to watch. Horror is a difficult genre because when things films horror films are really bad, it's mainly because just because they're really boring. Yeah, or predictable. Like if, or predictable, hey, yeah. Predict that's, like when you know what's what coming, in. and it's like, right, okay, yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Bloody hell. Uh, there we go. Um, and then, with, and then they'd probably, for our rating system, get better than other movies that are just boring. If a film is bad, like I know that um, a few folks in the Facebook group, uh, I know Danny Taylor's one of them, talking about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. On mm. paper, uh, you know, it's not a good movie. Like it's. But it's fun to watch, so uh, that will probably do better ratings-wise than something which, as Ben says, is just not compelling in the yeah. slightest. That's where we struggle. Uh, yeah, but next week we are doing Neil Blomkamp's *Demonic*, which is a new release. So we'll see what happens there. Um, been a while since we've had a Neil Blomkamp movie, isn't it? What was his last one? *Chappie*. *Chappie*. Yeah, Chappie was his last film, so his first film in six years. So we look forward to that. Uh, of course, thank you very much for joining us, Laura. It's been super, super Thanks fun. Thanks for having me. We've yeah, loved, loved your expertise. Uh, some really <laughs> great, really great points made as well. And yeah, definitely convinced me um, of my enjoyment of this film gonna more than I was. Than I thought so. Are we going to tempt you back for another musical? I mean, don't feel um, tied to musicals, Laura, but we've still got Little Shop of Horrors out there. Oh yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, there we go. Maybe, maybe you can flip Let's round turn and the you tables. can be the best. Let's do it. All right, I'm up for flip, that. Flip round and beat. We'll swap roles. 
Ooh. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, so, Laura, where can we find more from you on social media? Uh, mostly on Instagram. So if you just search for Mama Massive, so mama.massive, um, it's not really parenting. It's just whatever the hell I want to put on there, really. Um, a lot of, you know, Rocky Horror content, a lot of Bowie stuff, a lot of that kind of dark morbid a lot of true crime I talk about as well I've been talking about the uh Gabby Petito case a lot on my stories this week so um oh, yeah of course yeah it's uh, it, my my username doesn't really fit what I really talk about much anymore but yeah mostly Instagram. we can't see it on the thing but mama massive you are 50 feet tall right I understand that's what <laughs> they say I mean 50 Attack feet 50 tall <laughs> 50 feet wide so Jesus. proportional. That's fine. Yes, I'm basically yeah, the sense. human equivalent of a chode. Uh, I'm going to say Can the word sexy. I'm going to say the word sexy for the last time for this podcast. <laughs> sexy. Uh, uh yeah so there we go we'll put we'll put uh links to your instagram in the show notes and everything so you can awesome. find more from laura and i'm sure she'll join us for a future episode uh yeah so there we go thanks very much for listening if you enjoyed the show become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver thanks to kovach Kaiman for our theme music thanks to Acast for hosting the show please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the facebook group horror hangout board of advisors to interact with us more uh yeah so you can find andy on twitter at andy ct writes and you can yeah. find me on twitter at ben underscore errington nice one thank you very much for being a right horror dude andy and oh, thank, thank you very, you very much. much being a right horror dude ben oh look at that everyone's the i can really feel the love and thanks so much laura for joining us it's been a pleasure and you're also a right horror dude you're also a right horror dude can i be a horror ho I mean, you don't I mean, need to ask. I don't want to be cancelled. I wouldn't accuse you of being <laughs> one, but if you want to self-identify as a horror ho and it's been recorded, then absolutely you may. There we go. Let's do that. There we go. <laughs> See you later, everyone. Okay, bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.